This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Go to LinkSoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to NestBedding.com. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right, away, back, goal! Go, hey, it's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another edition of A's Cast Live, the playoff edition. As last night, the Philadelphia Phillies, the story just continues to grow and continues to be amazing. It's really beautiful to watch when you see a group come together and a city, I mean, just just the vibes, everything about them. Like, I was thinking about one word that just, just describes everything going on. That word that keeps coming up for me is relentless. I mean, they're five pitches in, two homers deep. Oh, I mean, I, I've, got, I've got numbers today to give you that are some fascinating numbers. Because let me tell you something. In a world that we live in called the Moneyball era, what did everybody talk about? See as many pitches as you can. See as many The Philadelphia Phillies are on you from the very first pitch, as you saw Schwarber go deep last night. But five pitches in, whack. They see a pitch, they're hacking. They're ready to rock. They're aggressive and patient, but they're not waiting around to get into a 0-1-0-2-1-2 count to where every hitting coach that I remember always talked about don't swing at the first pitch. If there is anything hitting coaches hate is when you swing at the first pitch and you have weak contact. They hate it. That, that It's a mental thing because what's the difference between any of the pitches that you see in a sequence of an at-bat? If the first pitch was the best pitch to hit, you may not see a better pitch. But they just hate the fact that you have this opportunity to see all these other pitches, which they may be better, and you wasted your at-bat by swinging at the first one and popping it up. Hitting coaches hate it. Well, I got some numbers for you today. And if there's some young kids out there, being aggressive with something that you like that you think you can drive, 
maybe not be a bad approach. Because we all know as pitchers, the best pitch in baseball is strike one. We like getting strike one. We love being up 0-1. Man, you just see it in baseball, the percentages. 0-1 versus 1-0. 0-2 versus 2-0. How it just, the balance of power between the pitchers and the hitters, the more strikes I throw, the better chance, the percentages of me getting you out. But Philly... Pretty impressive. Texas Rangers. You know, I want to say, like, wow, that is because I did pick the Rangers to win in six. And I want to say, wow, the Rangers went in there. Got the Nolan Ryan mojo going. Now, as you know, I hate the Houston Astros. I may be I may be a little bit of a troll here. Um, I hate the Astros. And it's never going to change. I used to have zero opinion of the Houston Astros. When I was growing up, Houston Astros, I mean, I remember Art Howe was a Houston Astro, right? You had Nolan, you had JR. I mean, I remember those guys, but I never had an opinion. Like, I never cared about the Houston Astros. Mike Scott. That came later. Um, but I never I never cared about them. Bagwell, Biggio, the Killer Bees, Derek Berkman. Derek Bell. Killer Bees were yeah. Biggio, Bagwell, and Bell. Oh, that I'm, well, yeah, I was looking for Berkman came after. Berkman and Beltron. So, I mean, I never cared. Now, I don't know if I, I don't know if there could be a team that I hate. I got to get my guy Dick Callahan in here. I don't know if there is a franchise that I hate more. And that would include the Denver – well, I don't know. I hate the Denver Broncos pretty bad. But, I mean, there is there is deep-seated hatred, and it's, and, it, and, it's, and, it's, and it's beyond just because I know how evil it is. I know of the evil that lurks inside the Houston Astros building. So there's a lot that goes into it. I hate the Astros. I don't really have that big of an opinion of the Texas Rangers. I mean, 2012 is one of the greatest moments of my sporting life when the A's reeled in the Texas Rangers, and that last day, that last game, is truly felt like a World Series game. I mean, it was like one of the greatest moments, one of the greatest shows I've ever had, that postgame show. And just the craziness that was going on in front of me as uh, Johnny Gomes is squirting the crowd with the hose. I mean, it was – I really don't have anything against the Texas Rangers. It's been impressive what they've done. They're undefeated. But the point is, that's just kind of par for the course because the Astros suck at home. They have been terrible at home this year. For a great team who won a division, this is just an odd year. They can't win at home. But, boy, when they go on the road, they put the old cowboy boy, they put the cowboy boots on. What was the re- I got the record. They won 51 games in the regular season. At Globe Life, Houston won six of seven meetings against the Rangers in Texas. So as much as I'd like to say, I picked it, I told you, Rangers in six, yeah, this thing's far from over. Because I could see the Astros going in there and winning three. I took the Astros in six. They got them right where they want them. And they, I'm just saying. Right where they want them. I'm not burying the Astros at all, right? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not putting any nails in any coffin, 
Uh, because now you're gonna have three straight games. Bochi's guys, Bochi's Bochi's managed this pitching staff. It's basically been Montgomery, Ovaldi, LeKirk, and Spores. Everybody else, ooh, my God, Chapman's coming into the game. Those four guys have been the bulk of everything Texas has done. They may need to really incorporate more pitchers in a three-game set. Scherzer starting. Scherzer are you starting sure? About, I mean, are you really sure about that? Uh, that he start? If, no, I know he's starting. I'm just saying, are you really? He hasn't pitched since September. What was it? It's been a while. Uh, here, I can get his game logs. I was looking at his postseason game logs and his 358 career postseason ERA. Uh, maybe it's a legacy game for Max Scherzer tomorrow. I have it here somewhere. He hasn't pitched in a while. Here, hold on. I have the game logs. Right. His last start was September 12th. Yeah, September 12th. It's now October, but is it 17th? Going to be the 18th? So a month and a, month and a week almost. I mean, I'd I, I rather survive with Heaney or Gray. I know, dude, this is not going to go Sure, we act like Scherzer is like, oh, boy, Max Scherzer, that guy, postseason killer Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer is 6-6 six and six with a 3.47 ERA and 20, 22 career postseason starts, and his teams are 9-13 and 13 in those games. Legacy let's, game. Let's just slow the brakes on all-time great postseason pitcher Max Scherzer. And his bullpen that he just threw, and I saw highlights of it, and he was just kind of soft-tossing it, was 68 pitches. What do you think you're getting out of Max Scherzer? I'm, I'm looking to get a lot out of postseason legend Christian Javier tomorrow. Christian Javier is undefeated, and he's been incredible. So, uh, one thing that I'm very thankful for, not only you, Cody, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful thankful for all of you out there listening. Brent Rooker, I'm thankful he's going to be here today at 1.30. He's been on fire with uh, Twitter. We have Sarah Langs. What's time, what time is Sarah? Two. Have you, has anybody noticed you're watching MLB Network, you're watching TBS, you're watching FS1 or Fox, and everybody just keeps using her tweets? She is a rock star nationally. Uh, everything that she does. She's here today, Sarah Langs. And then our buddy, Jeff Blum, the Cal Bear, the Cal legend, Jeff Blum, World Series hero for the White Sox, now broadcaster for the Astros. He's going to be here at what time? 2.30. I think he's going to tell us the exact same thing. Eh, we're down 0-2. Long way to go. Right where they want <laughs> I mean, technically, in the 2-3-2 th- format, 26 of the 29 teams, that's 90% go on and win this thing. It's the Royals of 85, the Mets of 86, and the Yankees of 96. That's it. That have come back from 02. So, uh, according to history, this is not good for the Astros. But I will say what I'm thankful for is that People are interested in this series. You look at the ratings, people are tuning in. Because there was this belief that all Texas, who's going to watch? You know, that's for some reason, everybody in baseball worries about ratings. Ratings haven't been good anyway. They Every year they're down. But actually, people are interested in Astros Rangers. It's gotten some decent numbers. Do you know what the most watched? This, is, this just tells you everything you need to know about our world and why I don't 
stress about. It's one of the reasons why I love being away from terrestrial radio. Uh, here we're about views. We're about downloads. If you watch, listen live, whether on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, or you're going to go and and listen, athletics.com slash acecast later on, we totally get it. That's I, I love this world, right? You put it out there and it lives forever. I used to I used to I used to have a career where I worried about people writing in diaries. Diaries. <laughs> That's how my career, how I got paid was are people writing our show name in diaries. I mean, it's just it's but ratings do matter. Do you know what the most watched football game has been this year? Because you would think we just had one in Santa Clara with two traditional great franchises in the 49ers and the Cowboys. Jets, Chiefs. Nope. Oh, I thought it was because Taylor Swift was there. I thought I figured that would be the most watched game. Nope. Does it involve Taylor Swift? Swifty brings people, but nope. Uh, And it tells you everything you need to know. Please don't tell me it was Cowboys Chargers last night. (laughs) No. No. And it tells you everything you need to know about why these executives in New York do what they do. This, the decisions that they make. Why are we always getting Red Sox, Yankees? It, it's just Giants, Bills, Jets, Eagles. Uh, Jets, Eagles. J e t s, Jets, Jets, Jets. Wow, I was like over Niners, Cowboys, Sunday Night Football on national television. Niners, Cowboys. Lost out to a day game. Jets, Eagles. Jets, Eagles. The most eyes on an NFL game this year has been Jets, Eagles. And Aaron Rodgers wasn't even in the game. Dude, it's crazy. (laughs) Bigger than Cowboys, Niners. Cowboys, Niners is like, that's been going on since the 80s. Everyone wanted to see Zach Wilson. I mean, they're playing well. Jets. Eagle. So, I, you know, and Showtime Boxing's closing down now after 37 years. So it's tough. But it's good to know people are watching baseball. And I'm glad that Astros Rangers has piqued people's interest because obviously for me, I love it because we know these guys, right? We know these teams. And a lot of respect for the Texas Rangers right now because undefeated, playing well, but once again, Astros on the road. Philly, though, Philly is if you if you if you're not into Philly, now I, we both picked Arizona. We want Arizona win, but if you're not into this story in Philadelphia, just you know, Philly is a horrible, nasty city. Let's just call it as it is. It is a rough, rough. I've enjoyed my time in Philadelphia. They got great food, but it is a gr- gritty, tough place. Fitting that their the Flyers mascot's name is Gritty. That's right. <laughs> but it's not. I mean, it's not. It's not. Philadelphia is a different animal. Is it? It's one of the tougher cities in the United States of America. And the data doesn't lie. But there's something about their passion, their hate, their love. Like as much as they can turn on the hate for all these years, man, when they turn on the love, it is strong. So as much as I got it written here, I got it written on the back of this, love, trust, commitment, and effort, love is a big thing in Philly right now. And I know that's the D-backs mantra, the love, trust, commitment, effort. But, man, 
the love affair that Philly is having with baseball. I mean, their Eagles are undefeated, but it's no, no. Are they lose Sunday? They lost to the Jets. Is that the game? Yeah, there you go. Jets, 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 Jets. I was in Monterey because I was at a wedding of the great Alex Jensen. I didn't really pay attention to much football on Sunday. I know the Niners lost in Cleveland. It was raining. It's okay. And the Raiders won. By the way, all my Raider hater friends who always love to send me the standings, the Raiders <laughs> being a, they, I, I hey, where where are the pictures of the standings? Raiders are three and three. Uh, what Chiefs are four and five, four and one, five and one, five and one. So, so they're right there. Philadelphia, this is the best home home field advantage in baseball history. If you look at the data, what are they twenty seven and eleven now? It is. It is truly incredible. And teams that win the first two games of a series, we'll see tonight, they win eighty four percent of the time. Philly now twenty seven and eleven all time at Citizens Bank Park. That's the best. Winning percentage minimum of twenty games. Philly is out homered opponents fourteen to two. All right, something we're going to do this off season is really delve into. We now that we're now really in truly a tournament, we're now. It's like I think I never will look at the regular season again the same. Like oh, you had a monster year, huh, Mookie Betts? Last two years in the postseason, you've been a dog. Or him, him and Freeman one for 21 in that dog. series. Oh, my God. Look how historic Ronald Acuna Jr. was. What did he do? When the bright lights were on? Oh, they're not playing anymore. Matt Olson, what did he do? Um, how many home runs did the 307 home run Atlanta Braves hit? Not many. Because what, what Actually, we're, how many did they hit? What we're starting to prove to you here on Ace Cast Live is that the 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 regular season, you need to stop it. You just need to stop it. Because front offices have changed the way the regular season is played. You got all these you got all these analytics people on X, I'll be old man river and call it Twitter. You got all these guys trying to tell you that it's just randomness of why you win and it's garbage. The randomness is in the regular season. We looked it up today. You know how many the best record of baseball was the Atlanta Braves. Correct. 104 wins. And you would think that it was pretty much the same dudes, right? Same lineup. That's what we kept being told. Same lineup, same lineup, same lineup. They used 53 players this year. That's the best team in baseball used 53 different human beings. And I said they used like, That's like almost like an NFL roster. And they, I forget they used like 30-something different pitchers. I mean – we could talk about the 66 players that the Angels use. The only reason why I, ha- I know that number is because the A's played the Angels at the end of the year. And the Angels in back-to-back years has, have set their, their, their franchise's record for most players used. Last year was 65. This year was 66. So when you play the Angels, who knows who you played against in April, May, and June versus July, August, September. That's random. The Braves, the number one team in baseball – how strong is your 40, man? They use 53 different players. So you know what? Great. Put all those numbers up against a bunch of guys. No one even knows who the hell they are. Night after night, we're looking. Who's pitching? Who are these guys? You look at a box score. There's five, six, seven relievers. You're like, who are these guys? None of that plays in the postseason because now it's just the very best. The randomness of the regular season is gone. You're just getting 
the best relievers the team has, the best position players. You're not getting random-ass guy from, no offense to random-ass guy in AAA. You're not getting random-ass AAA guy. You're not getting somebody that's getting called up and you'll never see again. He's just somebody that'll be on baseball reference. There's so many of those guys. If you're talking about the best team in baseball, use 53 players. So I, I, I think this, 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 this year really will change me forever. Where now I'll look at it and I'll be like, oh, this guy's got 50 home runs. Great. Who'd you do it against? Who were all these people you played against? We're using more players than ever before in the history of baseball. So go ahead. Mop up on Joe Schmoes out there. And these Joe Schmoes are still the best players in the world. Let's have respect. You made it to the big leagues. It's the best players. But that's not who you get in the postseason. You're getting the best. You're getting the very, very best. And how do you perform against the very, very best? And right now, Philly, they perform. Their guys are raking when old Nick Castellanos and getting some great airtime with his son. That is awesome for him and his son. You're putting him in the same breath as Reggie Jackson. Reginald Martinez Jackson. He's a pretty popular nickname. Uh, old Nicky October is the only player ever to hit five home runs in a span of three postseason games with Reggie. Isn't he the first player to have back-to-back multiple home run games in the history of play the playoffs? And this is this is no joke. Since September 12th, he's got the most dingers and RBIs in baseball. I mean, Bryce Harper. You want to talk about signing the deal and living up to the deal? How many of these big contracts people don't live up to the deals? 13 was it 13 years, right? Yeah. 13 years he signed and I'm all Philly and that whole thing you were doing. Um and he's always Philly. Ten home runs, twenty RBIs, and twenty-four career postseason games as a Philly. In the postseason, that's four home runs in seven postseason games this year. I mean, wow! You talk about prime time. That's what people love. You want to build a legacy. Numbers during the regular season and that old cliche, look at the back of the baseball card, that's great. What you do in the postseason is what people will always remember. And Bryce Harper is forging a legacy. That's incredible. And you just got to win one. And I know people will bag on teams that only win one. But you just got to win one to be a World Series champion. And nobody can take that away. Kind of tough to bet against Philly. I do like that the D-backs came back and mounted an effort, showed something, and then tonight with Merrill Kelly tonight, we can get into Merrill Kelly is a great example, and I got some data to back this up, of what postseason adrenaline does for you because everything for him is up. When your changeup goes up almost three miles an hour, (laughs) you're not trying to do that. It's just you are pumped up. And that's what I tried to talk about with Eno Saris the other day. The intensity. Can you match the intensity? And Eno's like, well, what do you mean? Like running around, everybody's like, ah. No, there's an intensity. There's a focus. There's a laser focus. There's an intensity. And Philly's got it. Well, Merrill Kelly, everything is up. Velocity-wise. His fastball, his slider cutter, 
his changeup. It's all up, the intensity that the postseason brings. But his changeup has been an equalizer this year. So he's going to need it because Philly in five pitches hit two balls out of the ballpark. Now, Citizens Bank is a bandbox. Let's not, as much as we could sit here and go, Phillies have 16 home runs in seven postseason games, 13 solo shots. They're playing in a bandbox. I mean, it's, it is what it is. I mean, Schwarber's home run was on the first pitch of the game. First pitch. He has four. I think he now has four leadoff home I'm runs. I'm going to save the- that for later in the show, but their, their percentages on first pitch, hitting the ball hard and hitting out of the ballpark, is historic. They're not waiting around. They're aggressive. Now, they're not being crazy about it, but if you throw a very hittable pitch, no matter what the count is, they're going hacking. They are not afraid. And Nola tonight, his last seven home starts as a 2.11 ERA. They've won all seven of those starts. He has dominated. And the Phillies, as much as we talk about home runs, and we talk about crowd, and we talk about love, and we talk about all this stuff, pitching, 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 Phillies have the best ERA in the postseason at 1.60. By the way, going through some of these uh, ERAs, the A's are in here for what year is that? Best ERAs at a start of a uh, – I got somewhere here where the A's are one of the best of all time. Then it's 72 or 73. They had like a 1-2. I'll find it here in a little bit. So the A's, ma- the A's made a list. Where the hell is it? There's so much information out there right now. By the it, way, you know a- highest career postseason batting average? Minimum 200 plate appearances? Is it future politician Steve Garvey? Steve Garvey. The Garve. Can't get him in the Hall of Fame. He's a three thirty-eight career batting average in the postseason with over 200 at-bats. Can't get him in the Hall of Fame, but probably could, probably might have a run for the California Senate. And the reason why we know this because Michael Brantley hit 300. He's now hit the 300 mark. I mean, this list is unbelievable. Garvey, Rose, Albert Pools, Lance Berkman, Marquise Grissom, who's training who? Law, Lawrence Butler. Roberto Alomar, Hideki Matsui, former A, Godzilla, Derek Jeter, Carlos Beltran, Fred McGriff, Michael Brantley. Is that a pretty good list? That's a – yeah, there's a lot of – That's that's 200 at-bats. That's not like you played one or two series. Yeah, I was going to say one or two games. That, that, yeah. That's a body of work in the postseason. That's not small sample size? And Garvey's leading everybody at 338. I don't know where the hell that A's, that A's number is. It's somewhere around here. I'll find it. But, yeah, the A's are up there. I believe it's 72 or 73 after seven postseason games. They have like a 1-3 ERA. But one thing I'm definitely going to want to track, i got to keep track of time, but one thing I'm going to want to track is in the offseason, looking at the postseason teams, looking at the regular season teams, looking at the postseason teams, like we had for you yesterday. The Atlanta Braves are not good against velocity. That is something that if you look at what, like what, I'm not saying a lot of teams are. Arizona actually is one of the better teams uh, facing velocity. But these big home run hitters for Atlanta are not, we, we had it yesterday for you in the numbers. So like kind of like tracking, like obviously you need defense. You're seeing that if your starter at least goes six innings, you have a way better chance of winning the game. 
I think it's eleven and three now. I mean, eleven and three. Willer went six last night. Yeah, if you get starting pitching, got to have a bolt. I mean, we're starting to see starting pitching. That's Captain Obvious. You know, you got to have that um, velocity out of the bullpen's a must. And then you're talking about defense. Then you start, yeah, yeah, out homer the team. I mean, there's all kinds of things that we're really going to delve into in the offseason. You look at saying, you know what? You need your 40-man roster plus because everybody's using over 50 players. You need your 40-man roster plus just to get you to the postseason. But then once you get to the postseason, what do you really need to have to win? Because you're seeing these trends now, especially since we're having more teams, right? You may not have the same record as – Let's say in Atlanta Braves or like the Dodgers last year. You know, the last three teams that have the best records in baseball all went out early. Giants, Dodgers, Braves. You may not have the depth that those teams have for the regular season, but when you shrink it down and only play your best, maybe your best is better than their best. And we people don't talk about that enough. Would you agree? Yeah, it's a good point. Right? It's like, okay, yeah, 162 games where we got to play this damn thing every single day. Yeah, your 50-plus guys are better than our 50-plus guys. But now when we're getting into three games, five games, and seven games, I'm not only playing my best guys. I'm not playing number 43 on my roster anymore. And now my very best Oh, we match up really well against your very best. May not matter July in Kansas City. May not matter August in Oakland. But in in October, you're not getting what you got in April, May, June, July. You're getting nothing but my best. That, of course, is health. Coming up next. Well, Rooker's supposed to call us in a minute, so he might as well just wait. He's calling into us, so I don't want him to call while we're in the middle of a commercial break. With our tech, this isn't like this isn't like terrestrial where I can just put them on hold. Oh wow! By the way, the number I'm, I was actually wrong. I forgot a Voldy won six, so it's twelve and three when your starter goes six innings. Twelve and three. Yeah, because Voldy won six for the Rangers. Um, six. It's six plus twelve and three. Yeah. Where where do you where do you start to look at uh, Nathan Avaldi in his career? He's he, historic he w- postseason pitcher right now. He was. Nathan Avaldi was a guy that was essentially known for Tommy John surgeries, right? He was known as a guy with amazing stuff and just couldn't stay healthy. Nathan Avaldi has emerged into one of the best postseason pitchers of his generation for multiple franchises, which you don't see. And if Texas is to go on to win the World Series and he's one of the guys that are a big part of it, I mean, Nathan Avaldi's career is pretty outstanding. I mean, we're all going to remember what he did against the Dodgers for the Red Sox. Even though it was in a loss, it was incredible. But Nathan Avaldi, man, very impressive. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story and one of the best 
stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Rook, how you doing? Here, welcome welcome back to Ace Cast Live. Yeah, man. Thank y'all for having me. Always good to be here. So, uh, have we been doing any country concerts? Any singing on stage? What's been going on since we last saw you? None of that. None of that recently. Uh, just a lot of hanging out. A lot of not doing a not doing a lot at all. Um, mixing in some golf for my off season. Kind yeah, of like to do. Besides that, um, not a lot going on. You know, I for all of us because the A's wanted all of us to take some time off. So we basically took two weeks off because we normally go straight into the postseason and we do the shows through the postseason, but they wanted to take time off. For you, how important was it for you to be able to sit back, kind of detach from it, and start the reflection on your first full season in the big leagues? Yeah, I think that's at that time definitely important, um, mentally and physically, both just kind of decompress. Um you know, from the daily grind of it a little bit on, on the year and, and what you did well, what you didn't do well, and then also, you know, take take two or three weeks, whatever it is, to let your body kind of recover, um, you know, from, from getting after it for whatever it was, seven straight months, uh, 162 games. So, uh, yeah, that, that little – no, it's like a two-week period after, after the season ends. You just kind of step away from everything, uh, let your body, your mind both be compressed, and then you're ready to get back after for the offseason. This was a question I, w- I would not ask you during the regular season. I knew I'd wait until after the season or even spring training. I, I do want to know, you got out to such a hot start. How much added pressure did that hot start put on you, or maybe it didn't put any at all? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think anytime something like that happens and the expectations um, for yourself, uh, both internally and externally coming from other people, uh, gets raised to such a lofty standard, I think that's going to have an effect. I think uh, I think I did a pretty good job managing that, though. I think I think I went through a little period after that kind of hot start where I obviously struggled for a while, but I was able to continue working, um, you know, both with, with, our, with our baseball staff as well with, uh, as with uh, Ben Strack, our mental skills guy, to kind of continue working on confidence through struggles and things like that. And I was able to come out of it on the other end. And I think, the, you know, when I kind of reflect on my year, obviously um, I'm happy with how the year went as a whole, but I think the thing I'm most proud of and the thing that, um, you know, encourages me the most about it is how I was able to finish. I had a really good yeah. last month and a half, two months or so. Um, and I think that after going through, uh, you know, kind of a lull uh, the, the, in that uh, you know, May and June period to be able to come out of that and finish really strong um, was super encouraging for me, and it's, it's something that I'm going to be able to build up of for sure. I, I, I agree with you 100%. The way you finished was really, really strong. And it also, not only your finish, 
But the reflection on some of the young guys, when we saw Geloff emerge, we saw Ryan Noda come back from the broken jaw, and he finished strong. So not, not only talk about how it was important that you finished strong, but the guys that are going to be here next year, you helped them get across the line also. Yeah, I think, uh, I think we built a lot of momentum for the last two, two and a half months or so, like you said, with, with Noda coming back, continue to be who he was early on. Um, just further establishing himself and, and building his identity. Geloff playing like he did. Uh, Law getting a lot of experience, getting a lot of at-bats. Sodi getting some experience, a lot of young guys like that. Uh, Jordan Diaz continuing to get to play a lot. Uh, I think we built a lot of momentum going into the next year that we were kind of able to um, get a lot of guys experience and a lot of guys learned a lot, a lot of guys improved. And then also we kind of got the, the feeling of what it's going to be like to play together next year. You know, that the group that was out there at the end of the year, um, it's going to be pretty similar, I would imagine, to what it looks like early next year and moving, yeah. into, moving into next season. So I think, you know, getting out there, getting to play together, um, figuring out how we communicate as a group, um, you know, how, how our dynamic works is going to be huge for us next year as well. I think about when you left spring training last year, kind of whose pitching was really up in the air. Now that we've seen J.P. Sears go 32 starts, now we've seen all these different arms, and at the end of the year, here comes Boyle, here comes Estes. I have to think from a guy that's watching a lot of the pitching, you have to say, wow, the competition and the arms in spring training next year are going to be far different than what you had last year. Yeah, I think so. I think there's probably going to be you know seven, eight guys um, at least coming into camp with a chance to win starting spots. Um, you know, you, you, you think JP has a good a good shot at one of those after making every start this year and throwing out he did. Uh, Joe coming up and doing what he did at the end of the year was cool. Uh, you're going to have, obviously, Paul, hopefully healthy for a full season, is going to go back out there and, and do what he does. Um, you know, not to mention the young guys, Joey and, and uh, Medina as well, as well as a ton of other guys. I'm sure I'm missing some. But, um, you know, Ken, what Ken did, the way Ken improved throughout the entire year was really encouraging and fun to watch. Uh, I think, you know, as, as far as, Anybody on our team, um, from where they started in spring to where the end of the year, Ken might have made as, as, as big a stride as anybody. He finished the year as a yeah. really, really strong starting pitcher, making some really quality starts. So uh, there's going to be a bunch of competition for those for those five spots in spring, um, and I'm excited to watch it play out, as, as, as I think everybody in our organization and our team is as well. I talk about this all the time, where the off season, the training, obviously, we just think about you guys working out, but the training is not only physical, it's mental. This offseason is going to be different from you. This is not going to be about, well, I'm getting an invitation. I'm, I'm trying to make a club. You're on this club. You're going to be a big part of this club next year. So just I know you, you may have started or you're going to start at some point. How is this offseason, the training, both physical and mental, going to be different from years past? And now you're truly you got a better idea of what it takes to last for an entire season. Sure. Um, yeah, the, the off season and the spring experience is definitely going to be um, unique for me. It's going to be different for me to the name that I've experienced, just because I'm coming into to camp knowing that, you know, I'm going to be looked to, looked at as as being a guy to hit the middle of, middle of the order all season and produce. And I think, you know, in the past, the off season has been spent trying to figure out, okay, how do I get to the big leagues? How do I stay there? What do I do? And now it's like, okay, I've got the full season of bats. What did we do well? What did we not do as well? Where are the you know where are the margins we can improve on um, to ultimately take the next step forward as a player and that's kind of what I've started to reflect on this last week talking to to people I trust about that um, figuring out what I want to attack you know where the biggest gains can be made this off season um, and ultimately what what 
what allows me, like I said, to take that next step as a player next year. So um, I'm excited about it. I think, um, like I said, I'm super encouraged with how I finished the year. I think I learned a lot throughout the course of the entire season. I think I'm, I'm going to be able to do some things this winter um, and in the spring as well and early next year that's going to that's gonna help me um, you know, continue to improve and ultimately just be as good as I can be. How much fun are you having out there on Twitter during the playoffs? I've been seeing you tweeting up and you're tweeting with fans. And next thing you know, there's debates over the sweeper. And is it a slurve? Is it just a bigger slider? How much fun are you having in that with that interaction? Yeah, I mean, it's a good time. People get worked up about it. But um, <laughs> the, the, the way – I mean, people get worked up about everything on Twitter, obviously. But uh, you know, the way I see it, I think – I just think there's a gap between the way that we as players kind of see and understand the game um, and what's going on on our TVs, just from being in it, and all the all the information we're exposed to, and have the have the uh, have access to, um, and then what fans see. So all I'm trying to do is just kind of bridge that gap a little bit because I know there's a there's a ton of of super passionate baseball fans who all they want to do is learn more about the game, learn more about what's happening in the modern version of the game, and they they ask good questions, they're curious, they're engaging, and it's really fun to talk to and engage with those people. And I mean, there's always the the, the, the vocal minority is exists in any sect of the population that are going to be loud and obnoxious and just try to be um, try to disagree with anything or try to be contrarian. But I think I think I've had a good time um, just talking to and engaging with a lot of the, the baseball fan population who's genuinely curious to learn and, and just wants to understand the game at a higher level. Well, yeah, and the, and this whole debate over the sweeper. I mean, I'm not going to mention. But, you know, whether it's here or when I'm doing TV on NBC, I work with some old pitchers that they go, ah, hogwash, the sweeper thing. Now the sweeper is real. And you even brought up Adam Wainwright when he was working the postseason. He brought it up. I mean, you're the guy facing it. You're the guy seeing it. Fans need to realize this new pitch, they gave it a new name. The only reason why they gave it a new name is because the date is different. It is a different pitch. The way it the way it crosses home plate, uh, you, you know, we're always looking at stuff with vertical and horizontal, the way it goes horizontal. It's a different pitch. You're seeing it. You're the guy swinging at it. Yeah, and I think that, that kind of goes back to what I'm saying, the information we have access to. If, I mean, you can look at – you can look at the movement plots of pitchers and the way their pitch their pitches move, and it's it is at a different place on the movement plot plot than a slider is. It's at a different place on the movement plot than a slurve is. It's at a different place on the movement plot as a curveball is. So it's just like if you look at the way these pitches grade out and the way that they come across, you know, when the when the track man or the Hawkeye or whatever it is reads the induced vertical break, the horizontal break, the spin axis, all this stuff, it's pretty clearly it's its own thing. And it's not that they people just started throwing it. It's that we just started separating it from the normal slider. So instead of calling everything a slider, we're now calling this one thing a slider and start thing a sweeper. And it's just not that big of a change. People want to, people want to claim that – or people think that people that we are claiming that we've invented a new pitch, and that's not the case at all. We've just started classifying this certain sect of a slider as its own pitch to make it more easily identifiable. And if you look at a movement plot, it's pretty obvious that, they, that it exists uh, in the way that I just described it. How much are you watching the playoffs? Uh, all of it. I love the playoffs. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad you said that because we, we, uh, we almost feel like we've cracked the code here because a lot of people ha- have tried to say that the, the playoffs is just – it's randomness. I've kind of flipped the script on that going, you know what, the regular season 
where you got the Angels using 66 players, the Braves use 53. There's a lot of randomness for six-plus months in Major League Baseball. But when you get to the postseason, you slim it down in the postseason. It's only your best players. It's only your best pitchers. What what, what do you think you're learning from watching this postseason? I think I think what you just said is exactly right. Um, is you you get to the obviously, you know, teams throughout the regular season they give that they give guys off days or, or one guy might get a DH day to get some rest. But in the postseason, it's like these guys are throwing out the same for the most part. Obviously, one or two maybe positions will switch, but they're throwing out the same lineup out there every single night because this is the lineup they want to go compete with when it matters the most. And I think that's fun to watch. It's 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 fun to watch, um, you know, the, the guys you want to see hit get all the important at-bats, um, which is really cool. But I think, uh, I think you know, the thing that we're learning is, is that there's different ways to, or there's ways to construct teams that are, that, are, that are better built for playoffs than maybe other ones. Um, and I don't know if we know exactly what those details are. Or I'm, I mean, I'm sure people do. I'm not a GM or there's people way smarter than me. But um, the teams are kind of built to get hot at the right moment. And it gives any team that makes the playoffs a chance to win, and I think that's what makes our sport so cool. Any big off-season plans? No, no, not really. Just going to be around, um, you know, the normal stuff. Like I said, work out, uh, play golf, hang out with my kid, and then um, start 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 doing baseball stuff here. Maybe a month or so, start swinging the bat, start throwing a little bit, and just get ready for spring. Well, we're hoping for a, a big year from you. I mean, this past year was tremendous growth and what next year could bring. But let's just end on this, and, you, and you, you mentioned your kid. You know, forever now you will live on baseball reference, and forever there will be that 30 spot in the home run column. Just how big was that for you to get to that number? Because that number is a really large special number. It is. It was cool. And, and when you look at it practically – um, 30 and 29 are not that big of a difference. Obviously, it's just one home run. 29 would have still been a really good year, but to get the 30th, um, to kind of reach that benchmark and that goal was was super special. And um, I'm I, I'm gonna say I went up that last bat of my season, and it was gonna go one or two ways. I was gonna hit a homer, or I was gonna swing and miss three times. We were gonna go for it. Um, and I went up there, and I obviously got a good pitch to hit and put a good swing on it, and was able to get there, which is really cool. Well, congratulations on everything. I know it was a big year for you, a big year for your family. Enjoy the off season. Have good holidays. Thanksgiving, Christmas, everything. And before we know it, we'll see you down in Mesa, Arizona. That's right, guys. Can't wait. See you all then. Take care. Brent Rooker. That's a big deal, man. That's a big deal. I know, you know, as somebody whose grandfather played Major League Baseball for a long, long time, I can tell you I always go back and check my grandfather's baseball reference page, you know, for the rest of time. I mean, I don't I don't know what time will look like all time, but, you know, for many, many years, his family will be able to look up Brent Rooker, and he's got a baseball reference page, and it's going to say 30 home runs. And I think the thing for me with him is when you delve into the numbers, he could have had a monster year. When we had him on last after the country concert, I did want to ask him that question about, I don't think it's the right question. There's certain times, if you guys are listening to this or watching this uh, during the season, I don't always, you know, there's different times to ask different questions. And I knew we were going to get Rooker at some point. 
we're going to reach out to oh, I, I before the end of the season. Let's take you behind closed doors. Um, I went around inside the clubhouse to a group and said, "Hey, listen, we're going to really reach out this off season," and everybody was great about it. Everybody was like, "Yeah, I'm in. I'm in." I mean, Ryan Noda wants to come on every week. Ryan, I was like, "Anytime you want me." I this is a really, really, really good group, and. So I knew I was going to talk to Rooker, and I wouldn't ask you that question in the season because you're still trying to finish up strong. It's a reflection question. Like, after that first month, the pressure came. And I know for a fact, there was at one point he told somebody, man, I'm tired. It's the second month of the season. He had this huge, you know, kind of like, he started out, he hit the ball hard, but he wasn't getting any breaks, right? He was hitting it out everybody. Then all of a sudden, wham, April, May, and then it stopped. And there was a lot of pressure, right? He goes on with, with Mark DeRosa, MLB Central. That's the morning show that they have. It's that They're, they're in their offseason now, so they're not doing it. But uh, Lauren Shahadi is already over at TBS hosting because uh, Ernie's back at NBA. We're getting ready for the NBA. Row flows on there. And so essentially, a lot of pressure came his way, right? You're on you're on MLB network. You have to remember, ESPN is no longer what it used to be, especially in baseball. When you go into a baseball clubhouse, every single television is on MLB network. They don't even look at ESPN anymore. So when they were constantly repeating Rook, because Rooker was fabulous on MLB Central. That was repeated over and over and over and over and over again. So everybody in baseball was seeing it. It's one of the reasons why the players voted him in. He had that hot start. Once again, every single clubhouse, MLB Network, and Rooker was on it constantly. They replayed because Mark DeRosa loved it so much that all the other shows started playing it. So all these guys are sitting around, and they're seeing this guy with the A's. You don't think that played into the vote? That was huge for him. And – there was a lot of pressure. That's why I wanted to ask the question after the season was done. What kind of pressure are we talking about? Like you were under, like you hit all these home runs, you hit all these big hits. It's like now we expect it, right? We expect you're living up to what people thought you could be. And, of course, like life, stuff happens. All those hits didn't come. And then you start to want, you know, oh, my God, he had his struggles, but he finished strong. So now with a year under his belt – what can he be? Because clearly the power is there, but the numbers, runners in scoring position, runners in scoring position with two outs, uh, at you know, what these averages are, what your average is, seventh, eighth, ninth inning, like all the high leverage situations, all these numbers you can see on baseball reference, go to the splits, you can see all of them. If he just went up a little bit in those numbers, let alone a lot, you're talking about well over 100 RBIs. You're talking about a 30-plus 100. Now he's got to improve. You can't hit in late innings 176. You can't hit 200 with runners in scoring position. You can't hit, you know, you can't do that and get to those numbers. But if you improve by X amount, 100 RBIs are easy for him. And we're talking about on an A's team that's offense wasn't very good, will be better next year. We already saw at the end of the season this is going to be better than next than what we saw last season. Brent Roker could be a 30-home run, 100-RBI guy. It, it's When you look, go back and look and look at the year he had, he also had the double in the All-Star game, which is a cool experience for him too. 
He finished with the 30. Who we had, covered that already, though. Yeah, 30 homers, a 69 yeah. runs driven in. With him when he – we did the whole – I wasn't going back. We already did the All-Star Yeah, games. yeah, yeah. And, and you look at the ace team that won 50 games. I know that that's, you know, that's how the season turned out. But you have the record set by Esty Ruiz with the 67 stolen bases and Rooker hitting 30 home runs. There's not a lot of teams that could say they have a guy that hit 30 home runs. I mean, the Giants haven't had one since Barry Bonds. So wow, Rooker, you have to take shots at our friends with the Giants. I mean, don't they? I mean, they. Stephen Vogt's going to be their next manager. That's that's why I keep. That's why I keep hearing voter. You can go up against voter. Uh, so seeing Rooker be able to accomplish that. I mean, the last time the A's brought in a guy that was a kind of an infield, an outfielder, then um, didn't get a lot of chances to play and kind of traded and cast off was Chris Davis, and he had a nice little career with the A's. I'm not saying Rooker is going to hit 247 and hit 40 home runs every year, but 30 home runs is a nice start. Hopefully he can be anywhere near what the A's kind of got with Chris Davis and they find him. That'd be a great find for the A's. <laughs> Chris Davis led baseball in home runs with 48. And he, and he, he had, had a lot of big home runs and the team was oh losing. Oh, my God. Chris, I mean, I know it ended bad, but Chris Davis for three years was a monster. He was a manster, half man, half monster. <laughs> we used to have it in our game notes. Do you realize, like, whatever year it was, it was one of the 40 home run years. Like, more than half of his home runs that he hit meant something. Like, it either tied or put the A's ahead. It was incredible. He hit home runs. When you say, hey, he hit home runs when it mattered, Chris Davis hit home runs when it mattered. He hit, and man, opposite field after opposite field. That Those three years, Chris Davis hit the ball so freaking hard, it was unbelievable. I mean, it just, I mean, you, you could hear it all around the ballpark, as they would say in the movie, Moneyball. Ball. The ball just pops, all, you can hear it all over the ballpark. Do I have that drop? I think we do. You do have that drop. Uh, but, yeah, if you look at his, if you look at his three-year averages. Um, what was it? Four, he would his three over three years he had 133 home runs, drove in 335 runs, and obviously hit 247. He averaged if, 135. Oh RBI? no, I'm just talking about over. That's what he. But he averaged 44 homers and 112 runs driven in over the you know each year over the. 40 years. and 112 for three straight years. Uh, sign me up. Where's and the, he's a DH, so you just plugged him in every day because God knows he couldn't play in the field. The ball explodes off his back. I don't know if I have the pop, you know. You can hear it all. It's a really old guy. It says it. You can hear it all over the ballpark. Yeah, I don't think I have that one. You're slipping. We're the A's, for God's sakes. We should have all the money ball drops. So he walks a lot. He gets on base a lot. Rocco, do I care if it's a walk or a hit? Pete? You do not. Screw you, Pete. I do. I want hits. I want the ball flying around the ballpark. When I point at you, yeah. <laughs> what about his girlfriend? Oh yeah, well those are those are these are those are all saved in here. You mean this one? I'm just saying. His girlfriend is a six at best. <laughs> I'm just saying. His girlfriend is Here's a your favorite six one. At- I mean he's the kind of guy who walks into a room, his d- already been there for two minutes. <laughs> Now, my favorite is his girlfriend's a six, and the one guy goes, what does that mean? It means he's got no confidence. Oh, yeah. I thought I, thought I had all those. Yeah, we, I really am slipping on these. You are oh, slipping. Yeah, yeah. No. Got an ugly girlfriend. What's that mean? Ugly girlfriend means no confidence. <laughs> you don't put a team together with a computer, Billy. Grady Fuson. 
on this program. You should ask. Do you ever ask Grady if he actually really said that? <laughs> they wanted the original Soderbergh, was it? Soderbergh was the guy yeah. who was originally. They wanted Grady was going to play himself. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Grady's told the story right here on Ace Cast Live. He was going to play himself. Can you imagine? I like guys like that. They got a little hair on their ass. Yeah, he got a little (laughs) hair on his ass. Can you imagine? Like, you're sitting there and he's he's got an ugly girlfriend. Like, the guy's 17 years old. You're talking about a 17 year old guy. He's in high school. You got these old guys talking about high school players and their girlfriends. Sounds like an Oakland A already. I mean, seriously. I, I can't even imagine. Now, Billy Bean has been on this program and said that. Those out clips are nothing compared to what it is. He says it's way funnier and way worse in real life. He throws the club head at the ball, and when he connects, it he drives it. It pops off the bat. You can hear it all over the ballpark. It so pops. <laughs> you can hear it all over. Chris Davis, you heard it all over the ball. But Billy Bean swears that this is nothing. Like, he says that in real life, the scouts are funnier than Moneyball. And that's the best part of Moneyball are the scouts. It's by Five far the best. Time. Good looking ball player. <laughs> he goes, it's funny. He goes, they say way worse. I mean, can you imagine you're you're sitting here? Are we gonna draft this kid number one or number or second round or third round? I mean, all these round early rounds, you're getting good money. And a guy goes, Oh, he's got an ugly girlfriend. What the hell are you doing looking at a high school high school kid's girlfriend? Who's Fabio? <laughs> I mean, seriously. You creepy sixty-five-year-old man! Why are you looking at the high school kid's girlfriend? That's that's yeah, that's that's like it could be your granddaughter. That's not true. Yeah, oh, I'm just <laughs> telling you. I'm just telling you. Where are we? I've lost track. Uh, a couple minutes till we get to Sarah. Maybe we should take a break. Uh, I got a lot. I have a lot to get into. I got. You got to remind me. I got these numbers on Philly. I'm really gonna piss off every hitting coach that it, that that has ever been, because I got now I got numbers that tell you what Philly's doing is right. You hey, you want to throw me a first pitch fastball right down the middle? I'm taking you dead central. We're going yah yah. I'm not waiting around. I'm not waiting around for Zach Gallon to get me 0-1-0-2-1-2. Not waiting around for that. I'm not waiting around for your. You call it a sweeper. I'm not waiting around for this stuff. You give me heater early, I'm attacking. Uh, Merrill Kelly, we got to get into what he needs to do tonight. He doesn't care about the crowd noise either. Philly against Philly. Philly, Philly's another team that, you know, you get the high velocity up there, they struggle a little bit. But Philly, 95 and below, they kill you. Velocity is such a – I mean, there's a reason why everybody wants – there's a reason everybody – hey, oh, here's another one I got for you. It is insane how bad the Rangers' bullpen was this year. Now, remember, we played them at the end, and we talked about it, and we kept, I kept giving you the numbers. Like, at one point at the end of the year, their bullpen for the month had like a six-something ERA. I've got Rangers regular season, Rangers postseason – and this bochy factor, this bochy thing in the postseason, numbers don't lie. I, I would love to say it's a crock. By the way, uh, you want to talk about bochy and pitching? Do you realize Philly's 1.60 ERA this October 
is the lowest by any team through the first seven postseason games since. Think Bruce Bochy. 2010 Giants. Eh. 2012 Giants. Eh. 98 Padres. 1998 Padres. People forget Bochy got to the World Series with the Padres. That's young Bruce Bochy with a mustache. That's not young. He wasn't young. Oh, younger. Younger. He's 60 something now. He wasn't young then. But that was 25 years ago. He's probably in his early 40s. Well, yeah, he, w- he didn't seem young. <laughs> I grew up watching Bochy as a backup catcher. He always seemed old to me. Uh, there's something about pit- pitching, bullpens, and Bochy that has now gone to three different organizations. But something to be said there, especially in the postseason. I mean, the Giants, well, well, there's a one reason of the reasons why. why the Giants were so great for winning three those three titles is their bullpen just matched up so well. Their bullpen was lights out. He manages with his gut, not a computer. Oh, wow. I'm just saying that's what that executive burner account pretty much was saying, that tweet that you sent me yesterday. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There's some 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 former executive, and it's like. I have it right here. Hold on. It was Bruce Bochy somehow thrives despite virtually no confidence in any member of his bullpen. A few other managers would sleep well at night, showing us the value of great managers in a world where there's many and over their heads. I wonder what executive runs that account now. Okay. Do people really think that management is different than your, your regular life job? Managing people is managing people. Some people are really, really good at it. Some people are not. Being a manager of anything is just not about the data. Now, if I'm by myself and I'm running the UPS store and I'm just shipping packages out, I mean, different industries are different, right? Like Amazon was built on data. Certain industries are just built on. But when it comes to managing people and you need people to perform, management matters beyond an Excel sheet. And it matters beyond just saying, well, what did he do against left-handed or what did he do against right-handers or any job you're in? It doesn't matter what job you're in, whether it's our job, whether it's your job out there, you're watching right now. Management matters. Leadership matters. How you handle the people matter. And for some reason, sports, we don't get it. We don't, we don't want to think that that's the case. Somebody's got to deal with, and, and you're not dealing with people with a lot of life experience. You're dealing with 20-something-year-olds who have more money than they should even have. You're dealing with young 30-year-olds who are multi-multi-millionaires who have such a distorted view on life that it's unbelievable. Can you imagine you? I'm talking to you out there. Imagine being 27 years old and you got $100 million in the bank. You don't think you'd be a load to deal with? I can't even imagine if I was 31 years old and I had, I had a $300 million contract. You think I'd listen to you? Can you imagine what kind of a-hole you would be right now, Cody, if you were worth $300 million? You wouldn't be here and you wouldn't be listening to me. You certainly wouldn't be listening to the lair. 
You're right. I'll be in Mexico with my wife. Exactly. <laughs> She's already there. You were on a call today with Delaire and Ray. If you had $300 million and they said something, but what would you say in those meetings? Sorry, I can't hear you over my millions. Yeah. <laughs> Stick it, morons. I mean, that's what you're dealing with. You've got to deal with a billionaire owner. You've got to deal and, – and you don't even deal with it in an owner anymore. It's, it, it's like a group of people now. Pretty much every organization is owned by groups. You got to deal with the managing general partner. You got to deal with—I mean, just think about, it. think about it, you're the Boston Red Sox. Ooh. Oh my God! You got to deal with the president of baseball operations. He's got guys below him. I mean, you got these organizations to where I got the president of baseball operations. I got the guys below him. Give me a, and then I got to go to the GM, and then I got the assistant GMs. Look at all the layers of people. You got to deal with. Speaking of Boston, real quick, uh, <clears throat> not going great in their uh, GM search. Sam Fold, Brandon Gomes, and uh, Derek Falvey all turned down the inter- the chance to interview. Well, what, you know, we haven't found out. What are they interviewing for? Uh, oh, John Daniels apparently declined too. What are they interviewing for? It's um, a great question. They'll decline. It just says interview for the Red Sox job. What job? Chief. Baseball officer? Are they looking to replace Heim, or they just want? I mean, is, do they have a GM right now? Uh, I think they reassigned it was Brian Brian O'Halloran or something like that. I mean, are, are, will will we start seeing a trend in baseball where they get rid of the let's have a vice president of baseball operations, president of baseball operations, then a GM, then a? Are we going to get to a point to where they're going to be like, you know what, this has gotten out of hand. We just need a GM. We just need a guy. You're the GM. You got assistant GMs. We're going with that. Do we need to have all these layers of front office? Probably not, no. So we don't even know. We know people are turning down just the process to interview with the Red Sox, but we don't even know what they're interviewing for. Are you interviewing as the GM, president? Like, what What are you? We don't even know. But it tells you issues. And that's the whole thing about management. It's about management. You know it's your work if you've got a bad manager. If a guy doesn't know how to manage his employees, a gal doesn't know how to manage their employees, you you, you, you know it. They're like, this person stinks. We're in trouble. This leadership sucks. You know it. So you don't think players know that? That's why the guy that is your manager, he's got to manage up to the front office people and the ownership, and he's got to manage down to the players. It's a tough, it's a really tough job. That's why my buddy Larry Kruger, I love Larry Kruger, watches YouTube channel. His 49er coverage is second to none. Uh, Larry put out on Twitter, Stephen vote for manager. And everybody's like, yeah. And I'm like, I love Stephen vote. We just had Stephen vote on the program. These Giants people at no one with the Giants even talked to Stephen vote over here. We just had him on Ace Cast Live. We love Stephen vote. Am I making him my manager? Because he's been down the bullpen with the Mariners for one year? Could be great. May not be. There's a skill to managing people that sometimes it takes years and multiple stops to learn. Bob Melvin will tell you he was way better doing the job in Oakland than he was in Seattle and Arizona. It takes time. You don't think Joe Torre got better? And I know everybody will say, oh, it's the Yankees and all the money. Joe Torre was better 
Then he was in Atlanta. Then he was in St. Louis. How many stops? Did he manage in New York, too? The Mets, too? Uh, I saw him went to the Dodgers after the Yankees. No, I'm talking about before. It was the Braves. It was the Cardinals. I remember those two, yeah. Did uh, he do the Mets real quick? Uh, let's see. Managerial career. Hold on. Yeah. New York Metropolitan 77-80. I was right. So it was Mets, Braves, Cardinals. Yep. Don't doubt. Why do you doubt my history? You act like like I like I never watched baseball before I met you. The only manager you know is Whitey Herzog. Ooh, <laughs> Hall of Famer. I want to go back to the day when Tommy Herr had nine home runs and like 114 <laughs> RBIs. Where's Terry Pendleton at third? Ozzie Smith at short. Give me Jack the Ripper at first base. The good old Ted Simmons behind the dish. And then they had uh, Porter also behind the dish. Willie McGee. Remember the Cardinals? That was the 80s Cardinals, correct. Bruce Souter in the split finger. Vince Coleman. Yeah, I heard of him. He's pretty quick. He's the uh, all-time – he is the rookie record for Solomon. Bases. Which Bush Stadium was that, by the way? That was uh, Bush, Bush 2 or 3, three. Yeah, they're on 5. Like, what are they on how now? Many, how many Bushes did they add? Uh, a lot. God. Why didn't I get born into the Bush family? Budweiser beer. Anheuser, All right, yeah. coming up, we are going to have Sarah Langs from MLB.com. She is an absolute rock star. We all know her story, but number one thing, we talk baseball with Sarah Langs. We still have a lot to get into. Jeff Blum from the Astros is going to join us. We got you covered. Everything playoffs, everything baseball, and, of course, always everything ace. Quickly, spring training, put it up there. Get ready. Athletics.com slash spring. Tickets are available now. First game, February 24th, Saturday, Ho-Ho Cam, and that is going to be against the Colorado Rockies. Get your spring training tickets now. Great gift for um, the holidays, right? Wouldn't it be for Christmas? Yeah, we're getting close. I can't believe we're Start making your plans. Arizona, play a little golf. Some, uh, Let me tell you something. Dinner, happy hour during spring training as you go out. At night in the jacuzzi, watching baseball during the day in the sun. It's warm. It's beautiful. Arizona's perfect at that time. Like, people say to me, you love Arizona. I go, yeah. Well, I'm never there in the summer. Yeah, I haven't been there in the summer either. It's just the spring. I'm I'm always there in spring training. Or, or, it's awesome. Or like last year we were there for fantasy camp when it was nice out. Oh, yeah. Still it's January and it was 75 degrees. Could I live there? There's no question. Could I live in Arizona? No question. From when I've been there, I've, I haven't been there in July. Yeah, me either. Uh, athletics.com slash spring to get the tickets. There you go. Get your spring training tickets now. Coming up next, Sarah Langs from MLB.com. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. You got to go to their website right now, linksoul.com. The new polos are unbelievable. New colors, lighter weight. We got our new summer shipment, Cody. I couldn't be happier. I look better, all thanks to Link Soul. So we're talking about new polos. You can check out their shorts. Anything you need for summer, they have it right now. When you go to their website, they've got a smoking summer deal. Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. Hey, it's Eno Saris, your friendly neighborhood baseball scribe. There are two things I love, baseball and beer. When I'm not busy around the ballpark, you'll likely catch me back with a cold one at any of Fieldwork Brewing's eight locations sprinkled across the Bay Area. Fieldwork's got a rotating lineup of over 20 beers on tap that's as diverse as any 26-man roster. They got everything from super juicy, hazy IPAs to crisp pilsners and tropical sours that make your taste buds do the wave. Whether you're all about that draft life or prefer to grab some cans to go, Fieldwork's got your bases covered. Check them out at fieldworkbrewing.com to learn more. That's fieldworkbrewing.com. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Langs is with us here on A's Cast Live. Always a treat to have you on the program. And it's like every single day I'm watching baseball. It's whether I'm watching Fox, whether I'm watching TBS, of course, FS1. And then I'm watching MLB Network. It's like you're everywhere. You are everywhere. It's unbelievable. Like your tweets are like they they it's like they're just following you. It's like you're the content provider for Major League Baseball. How are you? I'm doing great. And hey, I'm trying my best. I mean, there's been so much going on every year at this time of year. It's just everything all at once. And I love it. I live for it. Yeah. You know? This is what we work for all year, and I just love to be able to showcase all the amazing things going on. You know, we were just talking off the air, and it's pretty interesting because the home field advantage now at Citizen Banks Park, I mean, my God, their record there is just unbelievable. It By winning percentage, uh, X amount of games, it's the best home field advantage we've ever seen in Major League Baseball. And last year you were there. And you saw them lose two games. It's hard to believe like they could like they're five and zero at home this year. It's like hard to believe they could even lose at home last year. I mean, it makes no sense. You know, that first game at Citizen Bank, they did win. But then after that, I mean, I was sitting there. I saw Christian Javier and Brian Bray and Ryan Presley. No hit the Phillies in that house. And even sitting there and even watching now, I have no idea how that happened. I mean, I cannot imagine being a visiting player, walking and playing there. And I know Joey Lovello said all the right things. And I agree with him 100%. And I know they pumped in crowd noise in Arizona and they prepared. But I have no idea how you march in there and win games in October. It just seems impossible. Yeah, it, it's more than just we can look at numbers, and there's plenty of numbers to look at. I mean, they don't give up runs. They hit a ton of home runs. I mean, there's a lot, but there's something special about these guys. They are just relentless. I mean, every hitting coach in the world hates when you swing at the first pitch. These guys crush the first pitch. It, it's uh, They're swinging at the first pitch and doing well with it more than 
probably any team we've ever seen in the postseason. There's, but forget the numbers, Sarah. There's just something. It's just they're relentless. There's just something about whether it's on the road or at home, especially at home. But just what are you seeing with this team? It's just special. I mean, they have this kind of team of destiny vibe. You know, this was the team that got to the World Series last year when nobody other than them saw it coming. They went out in the offseason. They added Trey Turner. They're so much better than they were on paper at this point last year. And I think this is a team that we very likely may see come and do what the Astros just did. And what we saw the Royals do back in 2015, getting back to the World Series the year after losing, and then come back and win it all that following year. I mean, they just seem to be on another plane, on another playing field, however you want to say. It's almost like they're playing a different game. They're interacting in a different way. And it's really a joy to watch. Of course, every game is different. You know, one thing a lot of people aren't talking about is that Philly has the best ERA in October at 1.60. Everybody talks about the home runs and everything. And Castellanos is, and no one's done this since Reggie Jackson. And, oh, my God, Bryce Harper on his birthday. And I bet, but their pitching has been unreal. I thought important, though, was that Arizona did mount a comeback. And they did score some runs. How important is this game for Arizona to get one in Philly before they head back to the desert? Oh, very vitally important. I agree. I mean, the game felt over in the first inning. So to be able to mount that comeback, to be able to see the stress on the Philly fans' faces Mm -hmm. in those final two innings, that is hugely important, especially for a young team on the whole that many of them are in this situation for the first time. Guys like Corbin Carroll really figuring out how to carry yourselves in this situation. And I thought they said and did all the right things. They did not simply lie down after that person, which is very, very important. And we know, I mean, if you're able to split those first two games, you're going home. They have a huge home field advantage too. You know, on that list of the best records by ballpark with a minimum of 20 games, Chase Field is third on that list. The Diamondbacks had Chase Field our third there. It was very loud there in the one game they played so far at home. And I think if they're able to get there in the split, it would change everything now. We'll see if it's possible. Again, you come back to everything about this Philly team. But I'm so glad to see that the Diamondbacks did make it closer just for their own peace of mind. Well, it's funny. We talk about home field advantage, and then we flip it over to the team that's completely opposite of that is the Houston Astros. And I know a lot of people, I mean, this is our division. This is this is our side of the street. This is where we live, right, in the AL West. They're horrible at home. So it shouldn't shock anybody that the Rangers have got in there and taken two games. If you look at the season series, Houston dominated Texas at Globe Life. Houston just doesn't play well this season for whatever reason. 
they don't play well at home, so they lose the first two games, and we have all these numbers. You lose the first two games, you're in dire straits. But reality is Houston is not done by any stretch of the imagination because where do they win and where do they excel this year? Hard to believe, sir, but it is on the road. It is. And, you know, no team has ever reached the World Series with as bad of a home record as the Astros had this year. So to your point, I was not surprised to see them drop those two games, even though it isn't the capital A Astros that we've been used to over the last few years. It wasn't surprising, and I agree. That's why they aren't necessarily done yet. We remember that series for Jose Altuve, I believe set a record what homering in like five straight innings over the course of two days and they scored all of those runs. That series between the Astros and Rangers was at Globe Life Field and your former uh, you know, former A's friend Marcus Demian was saying that in the postgame yesterday. He was saying we know how tough they played us at our own ballpark. So I don't think Bruce Bochy's team will be heading home thinking, oh, too well, we have the set, we're all good. But certainly, this is not the Astros team we're used to seeing. But we know they have that firepower, and I really think we may see it come out on the road over these next few days. Marcus Simeon is the greatest example of, you know, these guys are human beings. They have lives outside of the ballpark, even though we just view them like we think they're in their uniforms 24-7 and they play baseball with his beautiful wife having their fourth child during these playoffs. I'm just trying to think about when I had my kids and you're you're like, having a baby, it's stressful. There's a lot going on. And even when it's a perfect birth, there's a lot going on. And uh, just to think that Marcus Simeon having his fourth child, got four kids now. I mean, this is, and you're having during the playoffs, it just shows that uh, there's a lot going on other than sometimes than, than just baseball. What's going to be, what could be interesting here is the potential to play three straight days for the Rangers. Now I predicted the Rangers. That's why we got Old Nolan Ryan out here. Uh, You you know how much we hate the Astros. Um, So I I don't like either of them, but, you know, you got to pick one. I'm going to go with the Texas Rangers. You have the potential for the Rangers to play three straight days. And it's basically been Montgomery, Evaldi, LeClerc, and Spores. The rest has kind of been, if Bochy's got to use them, hold on. He might have to use more of his staff here in these next three games. It could get a little more interesting, don't you think? Absolutely. I mean, they've been able to get as far as they have, in part because they've been able to sort of shield their bullpen. And to the bullpen's credit, they've pitched well. This does not look like the team that blew more saves during the regular season than they actually converted. They were the first team ever to make the postseason with a sub-50%, percent But Bruce Bochy, the postseason bullpen, Westward, and Nathan Evaldi, Jordan Montgomery, everyone else being able to go deep for them has really saved them. But to your point, I mean, Jose Leclerc yesterday became the first pitcher in postseason history to finish each of his team's first seven games of a single postseason. If this goes into a fifth game, 
It seems very hard to believe that he could extend that all the way to 10 with the fact that those three games would all be in a row. So you start to get into other options. You like guys like Jordan Alvarez, face relievers most of all times, and that's when it can get really, really dicey. I saw you put that out on Twitter yesterday, and I'm like, how does she find this? <laughs> I mean, all the we've been playing playoff baseball for well over 120 years, and when you mentioned LeClerc had finished every game and he's the only guy to do that, I was like, oh, my God. Uh, when you look at certain numbers, these are simple numbers, right? You out-homer the other team. You, the teams are 16-2. and two. I thought this one, I always think it's interesting because it really plays in baseball and football. The team that scores first, the team that scores first is 18 and seven. That's a 720 winning percentage. Do you ever get amazed by just like the most, because you're always looking at some pretty, pretty high end data stats for us and percentages and everything. I mean, just sometimes the simple stuff, does it ever amaze you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, every night after the games, I update those two numbers that you said, the scoring first, the out-home rank, and then the other one I do with that is the percentage of runs to score via the home run. And to your point, I mean, even though we go in on so many specific things, there's such basic tenets that really seem to show out you're in and you're out in the postgame. So as you said, out ring opponents who are 16-2. Last year's teams went 22-6. and six. If you go back to the start of the 2018 postseason, that winning percentage is around 860, I believe, right now. So it's a very simple thing. We talk about contact. We talk about pitching and defense and what have you. And over these last five or six years, you hit more home runs than your opponent, you win the game in the playoffs. And of course, pitching is a big part of that. Part of how you hit more home runs than your opponent is not allowing those on the other end, right? But I love the scoring first as well because it's so simple, but we don't see many of those big comebacks with him. Minus maybe a few exceptions, of course, that Mariners game in Toronto last year is so etched in my mind when they came back from some runs. But for the most part, teams that get ahead, they stay ahead, they maintain those leads. And you mentioned that winning percentage in the 700s in the regular season, scoring first, you win about a 665 clip. So the other really important thing about all of these trends trends to me is the fact that these are things that matter in the regular season but in the postseason they're even more important the winning percentage when you are your opponent when you score first those all go up in the postseason because these teams are so good they're able to maintain whatever those leads are has there been, let's end on this, has there been anything that has surprised you? I mean, everything, right? Nick Castellanos becoming the first guy in postseason history with back-to-back multi-hour games. Yeah. He's the 1,766th game in postseason history. Lou Gehrig, Babe Ruth, 
Mickey Mantle, you name it. And it's Nick Cassiano, so the first guys do that. That's probably the number one surprising and really, really exciting set for me. Yeah, and he's got a son there, and there's always the other yeah. side of it with the family. That's great stuff. Uh, I, I know for you and your battle right now, we want our fans to be a part of it with you because you've meant so much to this program where would you like us to donate? Because that's really the key right now. Where would you like us to reach out and, and be able to help? Where can we donate? Where where do you, where should we go? I mean, the number one thing I always say with this, and thank you for asking, is that people should donate somewhere that really means something to them. There's so many different aspects of the fight against ALS or organizations that help patients who are currently fighting. And then there are organizations that are doing scientific research. For me, the research is the number one thing. The same way I do it with baseball, of course. And one organization I've worked with has named Project ALS. But there are so many others out there. I know there's a great organization led by the Piscotti family. I'm not remembering off the top of my head, but that may mean something extra to Ace fans. So I'd say if you are interested, do a quick search and find the organization that speaks to you best because there's so many different organizations that are coming at this from so many different angles and everything really truly does help. Well, I got to tell you, I know it puts a big smile on my face. It's got to put a big smile on your face when you're just sitting there and you're watching the TBS and it's Granderson and J-Roll and Pedro Martinez. Now they got Albert Pujols and they go, Sarah Lang's on Twitter or it's MLB now. Sarah Lang, and it puts a huge smile on my face. <laughs> What's it like for you watching where it's like, there's my work and I'm on national television? I mean, just like everything else, it makes no sense to me whatsoever. You know, I grew up watching all of this. I was a little kid watching everyone else, the teams in the playoffs, finally seeing my team there in 2006 when I was growing up as a Mets fan. But I was always taking all of the media I could reading stories, everything else. So it doesn't even make sense to me whatsoever. And I'm now part of this, but I am so, so grateful. Well, we love you. You mean a lot to this program. Enjoy the postseason. I know you're loving every minute and we'll talk soon and it will be about the World Series. Yes, it will. Thank you so much for having me. The great Sarah Langs right here on A's Cast Live. Blummers join us next. Uh, yeah, he's supposed to. All right, coming up next, we go to enemy territory. The World Series hero, Jeff Blum next right here on A's Cast Live. Hey, it's Eno Saris, your friendly neighborhood baseball scribe. There are two things I love, baseball and beer. When I'm not busy around the ballpark, you'll likely catch me back with a cold one at any of Fieldwork Brewing's eight locations sprinkled across the Bay Area. Fieldwork's got a rotating lineup of over 20 beers on tap that's as diverse as any 26-man roster. They got everything from super juicy, hazy IPAs to crisp pilsners and tropical sours that make your taste buds do the wave. Whether you're all about that draft life or prefer to grab some cans to go, Fieldwork's got your bases covered. Check them out at fieldworkbrewing.com to learn more. That's fieldworkbrewing.com. 
This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. The new summer colors and prints are in stock. The new polos, lightweight, all the colors you want. Fabulous. We got our new order. My wife is so happy that I'm dressing so much better. All thanks to Link Soul. You name it, whether it's polos, whether it's shorts, anything for your summer needs, you need to revamp your wardrobe. You go to LinkSoul.com and they got great summer deals. Go to LinkSoul.com. That's LinkSoul.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Well, we had to look up. 1994. Hit 311. He's a tall shortstop. He goes from dominating the, would have been the Pac-10 then. To the no, vert. less. You were the pack eight? Six pack. You weren't the six pack. You're not old enough. Uh, and then oh, do- yeah, I am. And then dominated the Vermont Expos. You hit 344 with an 880 OPS your first time with the wood bat and pro ball. That's impressive. Thank you. And you got you know what's crazy about that? I was only I was only three years into my uh, life's life. Uh, my my life as a switch hitter. Really? Yeah. So you were in the mold of back when you know we were. Everybody was trying to find Cal Ripken Jr. again. Everybody wanted the tall <laughs> shortstop, right? Do you, A. Rod, all the big guys? They wanted big guys at shortstop. Like now, we're not seeing a whole heck of a lot of that anymore. Like. Because back then, being 6'3", 6'2", the people didn't have a problem with that playing short. No, and I'm grateful for that. If if they'd had the issue, uh, I probably wouldn't be sitting here. But, uh, you know, all the thanks to Bob Milano and the University of California for giving me the opportunity to play shortstop every day. Uh, I had to earn my spot my freshman year in 92, but I was just learning how to switch hit. So if I had never learned how to switch hit, and kept my uh, ability to play shortstop, I wouldn't be sitting here right now. So everything goes back to my roots there at Cal. Yeah, you you have very respectable freshman numbers, too, to come out of high school and uh, put up the numbers that you had. By the way, your Cal football team has won more games than people thought they would so far this year. Yeah, who knew the Pac-12 would be as good as they are right now? Yeah. God, it's so hard to believe that. It is. Everything that's going on that – there's only going to be two teams left and where it goes from here. It uh, Does anybody, because I know in those neck of the woods where you are now, 
I mean, they're still starting to get used to, like, wait a minute, we're not going to have Texas, Oklahoma, Red River shootout anymore. They're going to be in the SEC. People in Houston have kind of gotten you, because I know A&M's not too far, that they're in the SEC. Are, are people in Texas starting to get used to this? Because they people back in, back in the day when they were the Southwestern Conference, they hated the SEC. Now they're all in mm -hmm. the SEC. No, that's the crazy thing. And I've, you know, I've had to get a crash course in what's going on out here with Texas football, just because uh, being on the West Coast, uh, it's a different vibe and a different, uh, you know, mentality. But at the same time, you know, I think A&M, since being in the SEC, had talked a lot of trash on, you know, UT and Oklahoma and, and you know, the Baylors and the TCUs out there saying, oh, we're in the tougher conference. You guys would never compete up here. And now all of a sudden with all this shifting, uh, a and is going to have to deal with the UT and the OU. But uh, like you said, you know, some of these rivalry games will now become conference games, which is kind of crazy to think about. So we we don't, we, as you know, we have Eno Saris on this program every single week, and we don't try and be like the smartest show. But I got to tell you, I think we've kind of cracked something because there's in recent years, and it really started with the A's and Moneyball and Billy Bean, this whole mm -hmm. what we do in the regular season, it doesn't work in the postseason, the postseason's a crapshoot. And I, I, we've kind of cracked it going, no, it's the other way around. When you're using the Atlanta Braves have the best record in baseball and they use 53 players, you have the Angels use – we've been joking because we got this Shohei Otani thing. We got the – I still I still got a rally monkey here. Um, they use 66 players. The regular season has become so random with the amount of players in the line. The postseason, as you know, as a World Series champion, as a hero, is you zero in. It's the best players. It's your best pitchers. It's really your best effort. The regular season is you're using so many guys, you're 40 man, so many players. That to me is the randomness. We're now, and I think this series right here tells you everything you need to know. There is zero random between the Astros and the Rangers. You guys know everything. We know everything about you guys. You guys mm -hmm. know everything about each other. There's no randomness. Uh, just talk about that because they've been trying to sell like, oh, postseason, I don't know, it's just a bunch of luck. I'm saying my ass. These teams know each other. This is the best of the best. You're getting the best version of the Astros. You're getting the best version of the Texas Rangers. Same thing with Philly and Arizona. No, I agree with you on that. And that's what's kind of interesting. And, uh, you know, we keep hearing, uh, you know, there has to be an adjustment. This wild card round gives that, uh, you know, gives that first round bye to the division winners with the best record. It's too much time off. They don't know how to adjust. And all I keep hearing when I keep hearing that noise is, that's an excuse for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Why can't we watch the Dodgers more often? And I feel like they haven't been able to adjust to that. But if you go back and look at the history of how well they've played in this inside that division, what have they done in the postseason? They've played well enough and had and been analytically sound to be able to win as many games as possible. But like you were just saying, when you get into the postseason, what happens then? because the Astros are a team that was built to be able to win during the regular season, but they also do a very good job of winning in the postseason. And I think that's where you start to create that separation from analytics and you start to turn to that baseball side that I think you're talking about with the Texas Rangers and the Houston Astros. 
just in the sense that you create that, you know, that familiarity and you create uh, these books on each other where you have, you know, their tendencies, you know, what's going to happen later in the game. Bruce Bochy knows Dusty Baker as well as Dusty Baker knows Bruce Bochy. And that's kind of the fun of the game is realizing how they're going to use their bullpens, who's going to come off the bench. But at the same time, these are two teams that have set lineups, maybe one or two pieces like an Evan Carter out there in left field that moves out for a Robbie Grossman with a left-handed starter. Or you've got a Chaz McCormick or a Mauricio Dubon that comes in depending on who's on the mound for the Astros. But other than that, it's pretty straightforward with what's going on, and they're strong enough and knowledgeable enough to know how these matchups are going to work. And I think that's what makes it most fun for me when you do get it this late into the postseason into a championship series is that you have that familiarity, but how do you work through that to be able to beat the team? And right now the Texas Rangers have figured out the Astros. You're the perfect guy to bring on about this because we have so many different guests, and I can't ask them about what it's like to win a World Series. Well, with you, you went to the pinnacle in college baseball. You played in the College World Series at Cal. You won the World Series with the Chicago White Sox. Did, did you get the feeling in those years, it doesn't matter where we play. It doesn't matter what the schedule is. I don't care where you play, what time of day you want to play, what stadium, what part of the state, what time zone. You bring it, we're going. Tell people – because all this noise and excuses when, when, when you're like the, the Chicago White Sox, did you feel like and we'll take on anybody, anywhere, anytime, any stadium, let's rock? That That is what you can't put into an algorithm is that idea right there of getting 25 to 26 guys to buy in and understand that when the bell rings and that first pitch of the game is happening, that all of a sudden doesn't matter where we came from, who we liked, who we don't like, all of a sudden, we are in that batter's box with each other. We are on that mound with each other. We're making that play in center field, and we're all going to high-five you when you come off the field because we dislike the opponent that much more than we dislike everybody in our own clubhouse <laughs> that we're going to go out there and try and destroy you. And that was kind of the uniqueness of the Chicago White Sox is that you get on the plane, and there would be seven or eight factions you know, having a good time, whether it be radio, playing cards, drinking, telling stories, or just hamming it up. But once that game started and once you put on that Chicago White Sox uniform, we just went out there and played like we were meant and molded and, you know, just welded together to go out there and be this well-tuned machine. But you're right in the sense that, um, you know, we we ran through uh, Boston pretty good in that first round. They were the reigning World Series champions from the year before, uh, took them in three. And then we had a pretty substantial break before the Angels came in. And they they kicked us in the teeth, actually, in that first game of this championship series. And then we proceeded to watch our pitching staff go out there and throw four complete games Three of or two of them being in, or three of them being in Anaheim. So it, what, like what you're is saying, that? it just didn't matter. What is that? What? What is that? <laughs> that's that's Ozzie Gian going up to his starting rotation and going, boys, I'm going to ride you as long. It sounds terrible. Ride ride you as long and, and as hard as I can till we win this series. And what our pitching staff did is they just went out there and threw 130 pitches yeah. until our offense scored enough runs to win, and we walked away. It, it, I mean, it's crazy to think that it was you know, what, 18 years ago. And that was the mentality was just force our rotation to pitch as long as they possibly could. And then four straight complete games, we're back in the World Series and absolutely obliterate the Astros in that, in that series. And you're pitching pit, your starters. I mean, Cody, what's the record right now? Six six innings or more right now if your starting pitcher goes in the postseason? 12 and three. 12 and three. I mean, as much as we want to, obviously home runs are great. Thank you for that. Home runs are great. Velocity of the bullpen's great. All of that's great, but 
you need to get innings from your starters. It's tried and true. You got to get it. it. It makes your bullpen so much better. And that's something that we saw, obviously, the year that we won in 2005. But how about last year in 2022 with the Astros? Their rotation was stacked. They mm-hmm. pitched six innings, and all of a sudden, you only had to go out there and get nine outs. And, I mean, that that alleviates a lot of pressure on that bullpen and allows those arms to be fresh. Even if they're throwing 15 pitches a night, it still allows them to go out there and be relatively fresh, especially in a postseason. Can you imagine being able to blow your bullpen out for two days, have a day off, blow them out for a couple more days, have that day off? I mean, this really sets up – in the postseason for the teams that are able to extend their starters and use their bullpen wisely to go out there and win some championships. 0-2 at home, heading on the road in a best of seven, normally means you're done. But for the Houston Astros, as Cody's been joking the whole time, Astros got them right where they want them. Like, I, 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 <laughs> He's right. It's like historical this year how bad the Astros have been at home. I mean, they won almost every game against the Rangers at Globe Life. So it's like, folks, this series is far from over because you tell me, why is it can't win at home and they're beast on the road? It's crazy to me, and I, I wish I could explain it because we've actually put up plenty of numbers where I think they're scoring a run more on the road as opposed to at home. But the crazy thing about being at home is everybody wants to point to the offense. They say the batter's eye is too small. They can't see. They're not able to you know, score runs. They're trying to hit too many home runs at home. Um, and, but on the other side of the coin is the pitching staff has been terrible at home too. So you, it's not a one-sided thing. This is a full, a full team effort to be that bad at home. And they're, they're one of the few division winners that are, go out there and win a division with a losing record at home. And I think I heard a number the other day that said, <laughs> like- nobody's gone to the world series with a losing record at home. And the Astros are trying to accomplish that. But to your point about, uh, you know, Arlington, 13 and three, the Astros are at that ballpark in the last two years, and they are six and one this season at that ballpark. And they're going in there after the last time they were in there for three games, they scored 39 runs and held the Texas Rangers to 10 runs. And granted, that was without Josh Young. Jonah Heim came out of that uh, middle of that series with uh, a wrist injury, I believe. And now you've got everybody at full strength. It's going to be a little bit different. But the first thing, I don't know if you guys heard any of Dusty's uh, press conference today, but one of the things that kind of slipped through the cracks and that nobody really jumped on is that he said, my boys see the ball great here. And that was the one thing that jumped out to me is that kind of feeds the narrative back home where the Astros, there's a lot going on behind the center field wall. The batter's eye isn't as big as everybody wants it to be. And then they get on the road and they see the ball better. And all of a sudden they go out and start to rake. But I think it's a combination of Rangers pitching staff and being able to see that ball better. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, you go and win that first game, and then all of a sudden that narrative now, the belief that, hey, we can we can <laughs> smoke these guys here. And if I'm looking at it from the Astros' perspective, you basically have had four pitchers for the Rangers dominate the innings. You've had Montgomery, you've had Evaldi, you've had LeCurk and Spores. Now, mm-hmm. you, now you're going to have three straight games. Bruce Bochy's going to have to dip into the other parts of that pitching staff I think for, you know, if we're looking at keys to the game, get to these other guys that haven't pitched for the Astros, and that can play well for you because, you know, Bochy really doesn't want to use those guys. No, you're 100% correct. I mean, that's something that, you know, everybody here in Houston has been barking about is that it's paramount 
to knock the starter out as soon as possible because you name those guys, you know, Spores has been good. LeClerc has been good in the in that bullpen. But that's two guys out of seven or eight guys in that bullpen. You know, you got to force Bochy's hand to go to somebody else in that bullpen. We did see Aroldis Chapman pitch well in game one, but obviously he showed up quick enough in game two when he gave up that home run to Jordan Alvarez. And it almost felt like, it almost felt like uh, Bochi was trying to force Chapman into the situation just to kind of break the seal and see where he's at. And as soon as he gave up that home run, he popped out of the dugout, brought him out of the game because he didn't want Aroldis to lose that game. So he's still kind of questionable on him. But I agree with you in the sense if they're able, and that's where I'm kind of curious about Scherzer and John Gray in this series being added to that roster. Um, we don't know how far they've been stretched out. They haven't pitched in a competitive game middle of September how are they going to react to the situation and what happens if the Astros actually get to those guys then what and once you start getting Bochi, you know trying to get that big old body and that skull out of that dugout to go back and forth from from the mound to the dugout that's where you create issues for the Rangers and that's where the Astros have to capitalize by knocking starters out quickly everybody talks about Bochi's just different as a communicator as a leader you played for him What's it like playing for him? I, I loved it. Uh, you know, he, he's a he's a motivator, but he's also he's got a sense of humor about him. He's got a humility about him. Uh, you know, he was a guy who was a backup catcher who had flashes of brilliance throughout his big league career and, you know, had to really grind things out, but became a student of the game, but never lost that sense of what it was like to be a player. And that's where I appreciated him for my time in San Diego because he was notorious. He wouldn't come up to you and say, you know, you had an idea what your role was on the team, but Boach would come over and go, hey, I, you know, I've got a set infield blummer. I know you can play all four infield positions. These guys are going to need days off. Guys are going to get hurt. Just stay ready, and I'll, I'll get you in there. I'll find a way to get you in there. And what Boach did that was so good for me and some of these guys that are on the peripheral, you know, on the bench and role players, is the fact that he was able to put me in there, uh, you know, in blowouts. If we were blowing a team out or if we were getting blown out, he'd fire me out there for two at-bats and, you know, just to make sure I was staying fresh. Uh, if he knew I was, uh, there was a starting pitcher in that series, he would come to me before the series. He'd be like, I know your numbers against this guy. You're going to be playing against him. So he was, he was adamant about staying up to date and keeping everybody fresh and giving, you know, regulars days off, giving some role players, some opportunities to put up numbers. But that's where I think Boach was really good. And, uh, you know, we were spoiled in uh, San Diego. We had a pretty good starting rotation, you know, led by Jake Peavy. And then we had Trevor Hoffman closing things out. So it was very routine oriented. But at the same time, I think Bochi understands what those roles mean for guys as far as preparation, and that's how guys got better. You don't have probably any questions why he's been successful in San Diego, got him to a World Series in 98, won three titles in San Francisco, and has another chance now. He's two games away from getting another franchise to the World Series. I mean, as someone who played for him, it probably doesn't surprise you at all. No. And you know what? I had a chance to, you know, speak with Chris Young, who was a teammate with me on San Diego, who played under, you know, Boach. And uh, they have a great relationship. But I thought it was really interesting because the first thing I wanted to know, you know, why is Bochi getting back in this thing? Yeah. <laughs> this day and age with the analytics, the old school and the grind of travel and, you know, the way this game is is, is being played these days, why would he want to come back into this mix? And even why would Chris Young want to bring one of these old school guys back? And uh, I thought it was really interesting in talking to Chris Young when he says, you know, Bochi had some time off to really kind of recharge the batteries, kind of, you know, give the body a tune up 
up. And I think once that body started to feel a little bit better, the mind starts to react, the heart feels a little bit better, and you miss the competition. And he got him back in the dugout. And I think it's really starting to feed on these guys where they're starting to, you know, feel the vibe of Boach. And when you have three World Series championships under your belt and you come into a situation like the Texas Rangers clubhouse, why wouldn't you look up to that and respect that and want to play hard for a guy who was – who has been to the peak three times, you would want to play behind that guy. All right, so we know the Astros are not out of this. They they excel on the road, but you got to give the Rangers a lot of credit. They have not lost in the postseason. They've outscored their opponents 39-16, to 16, and so much of their damage has been done by 7-8-9. I mean, this entire <laughs> lineup, just talk about what you've seen, especially here Watching the postseason, Evan Carter made his debut against the A's, and we we're like, "Hey, this kid!" I mean, they oh, man. and and the young count comes back at third base. Just one through nine, this is no day at the beach. I mean, everybody can swing it. No, shoot, the toughest guy in this lineup in this two, these first two games has been Leody Tavares, the nine hole hitter. I think they've gotten him out maybe twice. I think it's actually once. Um, and he's got a home run in the series already, and uh, he's played extremely well. But like you said, you know, this lineup is stacked one through nine. Um, and I th- it, it's reminiscent of lineups that I've seen in the past for the Astros where you cannot take a break. And kind of what you're seeing with the Baltimore Orioles, what you're kind of seeing with the Astros is so much of the emphasis is on one through six and even, you know, one through four, because the two guys that I want to be able to control and not let beat me are going to be the be Corey Seager and Adolis Garcia. Those guys absolutely mash. They drive the ball out of the ballpark. They're high RBI guys. And the Astros have actually done a very good job of containing both those guys, holding them to base hits, keeping them inside the ballpark. And that should be a rent you know, a remedy to win ball games. But at the same time, like you're saying, you've got Josh Young, who's been pushed down in that lineup. Jonah Himes down there. He hit a big home run the other day. And then Laoti Tavares, we can't seem to get that guy out. But when you have seven, eight, nine going well, you're playing with fire because when those guys are on base and you start to turn it over to a Marcus Simeon, a Corey Seager, and some of these other guys, Mitch Garver, who's been swinging the bat well, then you're putting yourself in some serious uh, issues. And I think that's why, uh, the Astros starting pitching, you know, granted, Justin Verlander did a great job, but Framber Valdez could not find himself way, couldn't find his way through that lineup because those guys at the bottom of the order were doing so well. And he wasted so many pitches trying to get through those one, two, three, four in the top part of the order. Uh, they're doing a good job. Philly is amazing. Just everything going on with them right now, right? I mean, it's just they're my, my word for them is relentless. The crowd's yeah. relentless, the team's relentless. You throw that first pitch over, they're looking to take you out of the yard. I mean, they are just on you constantly. Uh, You're a former D-back. I thought them scoring a couple runs there and making it close, that's good for them. How big is tonight for Arizona not going home down 0-2? Um, I think it always is, you know, you want to develop a little bit of momentum and everybody talks about happy flights. If you can get onto that plane with a split on the road in a place like Philadelphia, like you're talking about where you're playing against a team that's absolutely possessed right now, playing great baseball. And then you have the fan atmosphere on top of it. If you can scratch out one win on the road in Philadelphia, 
uh, it sets up beautifully for that championship series if you're able to win three games at home in front of your fans, in your own environment, sleeping in your own bed kind of thing, the exact opposite of what the Astros are trying to do. But the Diamondbacks have a chance to really, you know, spoil that homestand for the Phillies if they're able to sneak those two, one of those two games and kind of set up for what they're able to do at home because that team's kind of built more for that AstroTurf, big gaps, speed game, play good defense and use that pitching uh, to play well at home. So yeah, I think it's paramount that they have to go out there and win because nobody wants to go home 0-2, uh, you know, especially against a team that was in the World Series last year. So you talk about the experience where the Diamondbacks don't have that experience. I think they'd really like to be tied up 1-1 going home without some of these guys having that experience because there is going to be a certain level of comfort playing in front of the faithful in Phoenix. I have this note for you, and I want you to think of all your old hitting coaches from the time you were a kid all the oh way through the big leagues. The Phillies have swung at 57.9% of first pitches in the zone this postseason, the highest rate of any team in October, and I bet that's the highest ever. 57.9%. You throw it in the zone, they're not waiting to get down 0-1, How many of your hitting coaches would have flipped out First pitch, you roll over it, ground it out. First pitch, you pop it up. <laughs> How many times do they tell you do not swing at the first pitch, and yet the Phillies are doing the exact opposite, which basically every hitting coach forever has told you to do? <laughs> first of all, that number's ridiculous. Right? I mean, that, that's that's incredible. Um but how about how about the fact that 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 number right there is sitting there staring at every pitcher that comes into the game against the Philadelphia Phillies. So what does that tell me? That either tells me I've got to throw something absolutely filthy on the first pitch so that they don't, you know, absolutely obliterate it. Or on the other hand, I've got to be just on the edge. I can't make a mistake here, right here. And guess what happens? I try to be a little bit too fine and I leave it out over the plate and it gets hammered. I think there's an, there's a certain level of intimidation knowing that when these guys dig in, they've got a toehold looking to do damage. But I also like the idea, you know, and I did have a lot of pitching coaches that said, you know, the first pitch may not be the first, the best pitch of the at bat. So be patient, work the count. You'll get something later in the count. That was always the mentality. And we had a situation the other day, a Roldis Chapman came in and Alex Bregman swung at the first pitch fastball and popped up and everybody in the stadium went, oh, you know, what is he doing? Be patient. You but know, Altuve does it and hits it out and everybody's like, that's awesome. Well, two batters later, Jordan Alvarez takes a slider first pitch and hits it 420 yeah. feet. And we're like, yeah, that a boy, you know, so it's like, <laughs> damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of thing. But, uh, you know, there is something to be said when you do get into the postseason, you're obviously facing better pitching. So I like the idea of kind of being ready to hit early on, because sometimes with some of these pitchers that you're facing, like a Zach Gallon or some of the, you know, a Spencer Strider and some of these guys, they, they look to get ahead early to take control of the at bat but if you're taking control of the at bat the second you step in and put in that pitcher on the on his heels you get it's the advantage to the hitter because this guy's scared to death to leave something out of the plate first pitch and i can hammer it all right let's end on this because we will get into this in the off season where we start addressing a lot of different topics and one thing we always get into is hall of fame and i want to talk about a guy that you played with and i know he means a lot to you paul Konerko. And mm. I remember I was at Candlestick Park when Paul Konerko was <laughs> traded from the Dodgers to the Reds. He walked off the field. Remember old Candlestick? He had to walk down the right oh, field man, line. Yeah. 
all of a sudden, Paul Konerko is walking out of this, and it's like he just got traded. I was there when he was traded. Um, really? 16 years in Chicago, 406 home runs as a White Sox. You look at his entire numbers, you look at his OPS, you look at his OPS+. plus. 18 years in the big leagues, you know him very well. I, you can make a case, wouldn't you say, that Paul Konerko should have a plaque in Cooperstown? 100%. Uh, and obviously, this is going to be heavily biased just because I absolutely love the human being. But you know but him. The, you played with him. Yes, and I and I know. I mean, I know what went on underneath in order to get on the field to do to put up the numbers he was he was putting up. Um, you know, you think about the 16 years he was in Chicago. He has that World Series title. He's been an All Star. Uh, he was a high average, high on. But he was an OPS guy before OPS even existed, and he actually spoke in those terms. We didn't know what an OPS was, but at the same time. Paulie was a guy that was going out there really st- he was studying pitchers he was studying swings he made some of the he made more adjustments to his swing than I think any prolific hitter I've ever been around has uh, he would constantly be tinkering in the cage he would constantly be talking to you about your swing he would watch your at bats I mean he was incredibly cerebral and he would go out there and put swings on uh, on pitchers that were absolutely filthy in some of the best moments of the, of the game, the key moments in the game. So a lot of the numbers that he put up while he was there in Chicago, where he was the guy year in, year out, every time you faced the Chicago White Sox, there were some good guys that throughout the years, you know, the Maglio Ordonezes, the Carlos Lees, and some of the, you know, the Jermaine Dyes. But he was always the focal point of the White Sox lineup. And he went out there and performed day in, day out, loved playing a first base, didn't want to DH, uh, you know, as least as he as he wanted to, and really did a good job of driving in runs. And one of the things, and just to make everybody love Paul Konerko just a little bit more, is uh, when I got traded over there in 2005 from the Padres at the deadline, I show up in uh, Baltimore. And to a man, credit to everybody on that roster, too, to a man, every one of them came over and shook my hand and said, you ready to fight? And I said, hell yeah, let's go. Paul Konerka was the guy that was after the game on the flight going back to Chicago. He goes, do you have a place to stay? He goes, do you have a car? And I was like, nope, nope. I go, I'm going to stay at the hotel, whatever the team gives me. And then, you know, I've got to figure it out from there. The second day I was in Chicago, the second day of that homestand, I was a Chicago White Sox. He had me. He had a studio apartment lined up for me, and a and a and a car dealership giving me a car. So, this dude is gold, and I would love to see him be able to be rewarded for working as hard as he did in the city of Chicago for as long as he did by having a plaque made for him. I think he's awesome. He's like the mob. Whatever you need, I got. You need you need a car. Do, hey, you need a place. You need there, what do you need? There is a reason Paul Konerko's name was the king. <laughs> and, he, you know, we, we, PK, he was the king. We, we just said, yep, that's the king. And you're exactly right. It was it was so fitting that he wore, the you know, that that uh, old English socks on his hat. And the connection might have been there. I don't know. I love it. All right, you're the best, <laughs> my friend. And uh, Astros keep winning. Let's talk soon. Hey, I don't care. You know, I can't say I don't care what they do. But, I mean, no matter what happens, I would love to be able to well, talk to you Well, World guys Series, anytime. we got to have you for the World Series. Yeah, I'd love to hang out with that. Yeah, heck yeah. I mean, I'm down. The World Series. Technic- the American League West is going to be represented somehow, some way. Technically, the World Series is your time of the year. You're a World Series hero. <laughs> yeah, that's usually when I perk up. Yeah. Uh, has anybody seen my statue? Has anybody seen? I don't have a statue. Yeah, that's the, that's the only thing I don't have hanging behind me. I need. I got to work on that. I'd have I'd have a mini replica like in every room of my house. You know that statue that I have. <laughs> yeah. 
Good stuff, my friend. Well, uh, so let's hook up in the World Series. I look forward to it. Yeah, give me a call. The great Cal Bear. Good luck to your Bears. Continued on football. Appreciate it. Good being on with you. The great Jeff Blum right here on A's Cast Live. World Series Hero 2005. I had to ask about Pauly Konerko because that's something we will get into. The last stuff that we get into into the offseason, uh, he is going to be one of the names, one of the newer names that we're going to be bantering back and forth about as Paul Konerko is really going to – he's going to get a lot of more eyes on him because I have a feeling – how many years does he have left? I'd have to look to see how many years he's been on the bat. When did he retire? Let's see. He retired Because in- certain guys have started to come through the pike, right? Certain guys, it starts opening up. So five years after his first year, we've been on the bat. We've been, what, 19? So he's been on there for one, two, three, four. This is his fifth year maybe? Yeah. Unless he's already – I don't know if he's got enough votes, though. If he hasn't got the 5% or whatever the, the threshold is, he's probably – he might be off. Is he off? Uh, 2024. He shouldn't be off. You look it up. 2024 potential Hall of Fame ballot. Unofficial. Um, I don't see Carco. Is he already off? I think so. So maybe he's a – let me see what he did this first. Manny Ramirez is still on it. He, he probably gets the, the – you have uh, to have a certain amount of votes. Hey, let me get your charger. I'm about to run out of juice. Then maybe he'll he, – definitely a chance as a veterans committee guy. No question. Yeah, I'm trying to see when his first year was in the, on the ballot. I thought it, I thought it would have been 19, but because he retired in f- he retired in 14, so 15, 16, 17, 18. So all right, sorry, maybe it's 2020. I'll find it. We got nothing but time. Game. Um, 2020 was a Jeter year. Also, the only guy that went in him and Larry Walker. Uh, he Pauly Konerko only got 2.5 percent of the vote. That's wrong. The people that were off that year, just some notable names. Him. Giambi. Soriano. The Giambino. Cliff Soriano. Lee, A's great Adam Dunn. <laughs> Anyone else on here? Heath Bell. Jo- Josh Beckett? Hey, Beckett had a good career. Beckett had a fine career. All right. I got, I got to give this to you. The term, if you want to use the Phillies term. They are saying aggressive discipline, all right? Did you see – I want to save that number because if, if you're watching this and you saw Jeff Blum's reaction, if you're just listening, I'm sorry, but if you saw his reaction when I gave that stat, the percentage, the Phillies have swung at 57.9% of first pitches in the zone this postseason. They are hacking. You like you come up and you know if you just try and get something over, they're they're looking to punish you. The Phillies have a one thousand six thirteen OPS on first pitches this postseason. Sixteen hundred OPS on first pitch. Everything, every hitting coach, be patient, be patient, be patient. Not these guys. That's why I'm saying aggressive. I'm saying aggressive, but the word that I have for the Phillies is relentless. This team is relentless. Highest percentage of pitches seen in hitters counts. So hitters count is 1-0, one 2-1, 2-0, 3-0, 3-1. They have seen the highest percentage at 29.9. 
Counts are in their favor. They're not getting into 0-2, 1-2. They're not getting into those counts. Everything is you throw it in the zone right out of the gate I'm hacking. You're not going to throw strikes. We're not swinging at it. And then we're going to make we're going to force you to come in the zone and when you come in the zone we're going to make you pay. That is the strategy. They're relentless. And my if I if I said to you one word for the Phillies, what would you say? Well, you took relentless, so that's good. Um gritty. I'm not talking about the Flyers. <laughs> Uh, I, I I mean, honestly, if you're talking about the first pitch, swing at the first pitch, I would say that's ballsy. Ooh. <laughs> they got some onions, is your sign to say? Because you talk about how hitting coaches hate that. and They hate that. What uh, what happened in the game yesterday? Um, Zach Allen's first pitch. Uh, well, was Gone. Schwarber home run, yeah. Five yeah. pitches and two home runs. Yeah. Five pitches, two. I it just, they, 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 they're making you pay. You want to come in the strike zone early? You're going to pay. If you don't come into the strike zone, that's fine. We're going to look at it. We're going to wait. And you're out of the strike zone. I'm going to get into hitter. They're always in a hitter's count. And they're not waiting around to get into an account, into a count that's not for them. That's something that, once again, a lot to learn. Now, this stuff, when you talk six months and you play every single day, it's tough to, to, to replicate this. What, we're, what we've been looking at is what wins in the postseason. What wins in this tournament when it's the best against the best? And everybody seems to be agreeing now that the randomness of the postseason is bogus. The randomness is the regular season when you got 8 million players. Postseason, best teams, best players, what do you got? You're not seeing fourth and fifth starters. You're not seeing back of the bullpen guys. You're seeing everybody's best. And what are these guys doing? They're not waiting around. You you bring it in here. I'm a hacking. 57.9, call it 58%. They're swinging at the first pitch if it's in the zone. That's incredible. There's a lot to learn from this postseason, last postseason. It's amazing the percentages. If you score first, you win. If you out homer, you win. I mean, there's there's like simple things to look at. Pitchers go six, you know, six or more. Velocity, velocity, ninety. Whether it's ninety-five plus, ninety-seven plus, a lot of teams struggle against velocity. So there's a lot to look at of why teams are successful. But I really wanted to bring that up. That's really key. So when you're watching the game tonight. Just check to see. Just with your eye, just go. Are they swinging at the first pitch? Are they swinging at the second pitch? Are they waiting around, or is Philly coming to hack? Because pitch count really doesn't matter anymore. No one's going to get to a high pitch count anyway. You're going to get to the bullpens at some point. This isn't get the pitch count up to get to the bullpens. God, some of these analytics people want the bullpen in right away. Yeah, I thought Wheeler had 81 after six, and he got pulled. So, Oh, my God, Wheeler? How about Wheeler the dealer? Did you see that sign that they had, Wheeler the dealer? Wheeler, in three starts, is 2-0 and with a 2.37 ERA, but here's the kicker. Three starts for, for Wheeler. He's got 26 strikeouts, only one walk. For a power pitcher, 26 Ks, one walk, strikeout to walk ratio? My God. I wonder who the guy who walked was. There's a trivia question. Yeah, what was the scenario? Was it one where they were just 
Put them on. We don't want to. We really. Don't oh, it was do an intentional guy. walk, huh? I'm not saying intentional walk, but there's a there's an unintentional walk, right? There can be like Jordan Alvarez is up, and you're like, I'm not. I'm going to throw four sweeping breaking balls. If he offers it one, great. If not, put him on first. He had his flu game yesterday. Move over, Jordan. Jordan Alvarez had the flu game. Two home runs, and I mean, they lost, but it's all right. Like like Phil Blummer, they got him right where they want him. Right. Uh, where I'm looking for Wheeler start. He walked a guy against the Braves. Let's see who it was. Uh, Wheeler would have walked. I'll get it. All right, you're killing me. Now, Arizona. How about Marte and Carroll? They have combined at 340 with a 638 slugging percentage. They got to keep it going. Arizona's homered a lot, too. Let's not forget that. They have homered in each of their last 17 postseason games. But Arizona, they've out homered their opponents 13 to 2 before losing last night. So Arizona, got to get to Nola tonight. I, it's important for, for Arizona. It's not over. But they're, you're in you're in big trouble. I, I get it. First night, Philly's going crazy. What tonight? Arizona's got it. To me, they got to get it. You want to win the series? You take a game in Philly, and now you bring it back to Arizona for three. Because what you do not want, I mean, what does Sarah say? The Chase Field has like the third highest uh, home field advantage in baseball history. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, by the way, his walk was against. But Ro- what does Ronald that Cruz mean? Jr. I mean, I, I the, the one Diamondbacks when you have Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling, neither one of those guys are walking through that door. Luis Gonzalez, the big Marine, Matt Williams, Tony Womack, Mark Grace, Jay Bell was a shortstop. Who else was on that team? Steve Finley. Was Steve Finley on that team? I think so. That's a pretty good team. Oh, it was a great team. Took down the Yankees. You're Yankees. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr., the walk for Wheeler in postseason. Uh, Mike Rizzo was the scouting director, now GM of the Washington Nationals. Reggie Sanders, right fielder. That's pirate great Steve Reggie Finley Sanders. Steve was in center field. Yeah, I got pretty much everybody. Craig Council. A bench player. A Rubio Durazo. Go down to the starters. Jack Cust. Lyle Overbay. That's that's Mr. Double. They weren't on the postseason roster. And then their pitchers, of course, were Schilling, Randy Johnson. Brian Anderson. B.A., our friend from the race. Young, young Kim. Giving giving up the jacks at Yankee Stadium. Miguel Batista won 11 games. Yeah. I'm looking forward to this game. By the way, I want to give you the the Merrill Kelly real quick, too, about just showing you the difference between postseason and regular season intensity. So Merrill, Ke- Merrill Kelly, his fastball in the regular season averages 92.4 in the postseason, 94.1. And that's a career high for him. His cutter is 90.8 in the regular season in the postseason so far. The one start, 92.4. And then change up from 88.7 in the regular season to the playoffs, 90.2. What this shows, he's pumped up. Everything's more electric. Everything's got a little more juice to it. And he's going to need it tonight. By the way, most pitches thrown this season in baseball, according to StatCast, 
2023, most pitches thrown without a home run on the single pitch in 2023. Merrill Kelly's changeup ranks second. Threw it 648 times without giving up a dinger. Patrick Sandoval's slider is your number one at 681. Never would have guessed Sandoval. Most runs saved on a change-up splitter in 2023. Most runs saved would be Logan Webb and then Merrill Kelly. So Merrill Kelly's change-up has to be a difference tonight and may want to throw it first pitch. You've got you've got some pumped-up Phillies, crowds going. These guys are looking to, hey, they, they're trying to pump up the crowd. They're trying to go, yeah, yeah. How about first-pitch change-ups? How about back-to-back change-ups? Something I always like to do, but who am I? I was a bad college pitcher. <laughs> guys in the big late, back-to-back change-ups. You got these guys hunting heaters. They're hunting heaters. What's the best play to call when there's a pass rush and a blitz? What's the best play to call? Screen? Screen! And then the whole sideline, screen! But the problem is everybody's rushing the quarterback, and he drops back, oh, no, no, oh, it's a screen, boop. Draw play. Uh-oh. <laughs> no, not draw play. You're coming up the middle, you're screwed. <laughs> That's the best play. The option. When everybody's all fired up and everybody's all geared up, changing speeds. Doesn't matter what sport, right? In baseball, if everybody's up there gripping it and ripping it, let's go, I'm gearing up for 97 or Merrill Kelly tonight, 94. I'm gearing up. I'm going yard, Citizens Bank. The place is rocking. They're playing Creed. I'm going nuts. And I'm Bryce Harper, and I'm my Creed's the Rangers. Who are they? Uh, Who's their stupid song? It was something last year. Change up. Get the old. Where's my baseball? The old, for me, was the old circle change. (whistles) Looks like a fastball out of the hand and just whoop. Back-to-back change-ups, multiple change-ups tonight. You've got it. These guys are dead red, ready to rock. You've got to change speeds. You've got to keep them off balance. What does Scott Emerson always say? Hitting is what? Timing. And then what is pitching? Disruption of timing. There you go. And that's what you have to see tonight. And he's got the stuff. He's got the stuff. Want to see a competitive game? Because right now, I mean, Philly, Philly's a historic home field advantage right now. If you're just tuning in, Philly right now for Philly right now, they are 27 and 11 all time at home at Citizens Bank Park, which is the minimum 20 games. Best winning percentage for a home field in the history of baseball. By the way, 53.3% of all runs have scored via the home run this postseason. That's way up. But we know that, right? How do you keep guys in the yard? Get that change up going, baby. Got to keep them off balance. Then bring in the gas with the relievers. But keep them off balance. And just and that's and that is a serious weapon when the pitcher knows right out of the gate I just can't throw it over. From very from pitch one, I gotta realize anybody can go yah yah on me. That is a that is a super advantage, and that's why when I think one word with the Philadelphia Phillies, I think relentless. Like I said in football, if they've got a great pass rush and you know they're blitzing, 
Quarterback gets it, holds on to it. Everybody's coming after him because they're so aggressive. Remember the line lets him go? They act like they've been beat, let him go, and then they form out, and you just boop, dump it to the running back, and he's got green light. He's got two blockers and nothing but green grass in front of him because you were ultra-aggressive. Use somebody's aggressiveness against them. And what do you do? It doesn't matter what sport. You change speeds. You change things up. You try and match that. My fastball against them. Right now, the way they're seeing it, that's not a good strategy. Right now, change speeds. That's my advice to my Diamondbacks tonight, to go with love, trust, commitment, and effort. Just win, baby. Oh, you're going Al Davis on me? I want to see I want to see a good series because I already know the Astros are going to win three straight because that's all they do is win on the road. And then lose the next two at home, and it's uh, reminiscent, uh, reminiscent of the 2019 World Series. Yeah, where every, yeah, where the road team won every game. So, Blummer just said it. No team's ever won the World Series who had a home losing record during or, the regular I think season. it was even reached the World Series with a losing record at home. Let alone won the World Series with a losing record at home. The other team doesn't have a problem with the batting eye. No, not at all. So they got a problem with because I know they talked about Jose Abreu. You had a problem with it. It was like red, and they painted it green. Wherever you had a problem, I was reading. It's like, that's what's great about having Jeff Blum on. Jeff Blum won the World Series, played in the College World Series with Cal. You asked Jeff Blum, did it matter where you guys played? What were the conditions? Lay layoff, no layoff, what format? Nothing was standing in the way of those White Sox winning the World Series. Nothing. The team of destiny, nothing stands in your way. No humans, no rules, no rain, no time, no, no time change. No matter where you're playing, cold, warm, dome, turf, grass, the best is going to win. The team of destiny will win the championship. And that might be hard for some people to deal with. It's only hard to deal with the analytics people on Twitter. Sports fans love it. We that's we we love tournaments. And you ah, it's the team that's lucky. This isn't luck. This is the best of the best. These are the best players, best teams. You're getting the best players. We're not hearing about so and so that you never heard of is coming up from AAA today to pitch. Are we hearing that? Is there a guy from AAA coming up to pitch tonight? I don't. I don't think so. Merrill Kelly's been here all year. Yeah. So is the other guy, Nola. This, this is your best effort tonight. Can't wait. All right, game two of the NLCS coming up in just a little bit. We are off tomorrow. Back on Thursday, 1 o'clock. Thursday, 1 o'clock. Friday, 1 o'clock. Thank you, everybody. We want to thank the great Jeff Blum, Sarah Langs, and who who's our earliest? Oh, Brent, Brent Rooker. Rooker. The great Brent Rooker. Great having Rooker on, wasn't it? Yeah. That's what we're going to do this offseason. We're going to have more players than we normally have. We're going to we're going to talk to a lot of the A's players, kind of get you ready. Like, hey, put the spring training up one more time. What what do you do? What are you doing getting ready for spring? What's happening? What's up with the workouts? What are you doing? Spring training tickets are on sale now. Athletics.com slash spring. That's athletics.com slash <sighs> athletics.com slash spring. Don't forget, first game, February 24th against the Colorado Rockies. That first week, you got D-backs, Giants, Padres. There ain't no Rocktober this year. No. Where's Soto going? Oh, I there's an article about Juan it. Soto going to be in that first week for the Padres and Bob Melvin against the uh, A's at uh, Ho-Ho Cam? No. 
No? I think they trade him. Talk about this on Thursday. Bowden wrote about it today. Yeah, he's got five teams. You know, five. W- one's the Giants, I bet. Yeah. Do you think one of them's the A's? No. No. Uh, one of them, there's a surprise team on there, though. Okay, I, I, I have the article, but I've just, as of about an hour ago, been able to get back on the athletic. Um, I'm going to say Padres. No, well, no, the Padres are not. I, I, okay, Padres. It's going to be Giants. Mm-hmm. Mets. I don't think the Mets were on there. Mets weren't on there? I don't think so. Yankees. They were number one. Of course. Um, Mariners. Uh, I'm going to pull up the list so I don't forget anyone. Mariners. Was that four? There was a fifth team, so the surprise team. Um, who would be the surprise? No, it's not the Pirates. No, it's not the Marlins. It's not the Rays. It's not the. It's not the. It's not the Royals. Oh, who's the surprise team? Red Sox. They're not the surprise, though. That's not a surprise. Who's the surprise? The Guardians. The Guardians. What? Why are you get? You're gonna go get Juan Soto in his prime for what? Half a year? If you're the Guardians, you're not resigned. Anybody who trades for him, you got to be somebody who wants to resign. Yeah, and the Guardians aren't going to resign. All right, who's the list again? So it's Yankees, Red Sox. Gee, this is a really struggle list. Yankees, Red. Might as well throw the Dodgers on there. Yankees, Red Sox, Giants, Mariners, Guardians. So I had Mariners right. Giants. You think voters going to? You know what? There, if there was a team that is having a lot of PR issues and has been willing to throw money out there and just kind of just throw money out there because they're kind of desperate. Who would have thought that the San Francisco Giants would be desperate? But they are. Giants are desperate for PR. Couldn't get Judge. Egg on their face with Correa. Now they've had to fire Kapler and admit they're not as smart as they thought they were. They were horrific down the stretch. You now had to fire your manager. There had to have been internal talks on whether Farhan really is the answer. Farhan's going to get one more shot at it. They want a star. They want somebody. They haven't had somebody since Bonds. You know, who? how many, how many other people have watched Juan Soto and said, you know what, I'm going to give him $500 million. I said a long time ago, there's no chance he gets that. He's not going to age we're already talking about a guy that's not good defensively. We're not talking about a guy who throws the ball well. We're not talking, we're talking about a guy who doesn't run well. So it's like you want to sign this guy for life because he walks a lot and he can hit, yes. But he walks a lot. Great. You gonna give him five hundred million? No chance. Will the Giants give him four? Well, the Giants are pretty desperate. They're pretty desperate for PR. Season tickets are down, tickets are down. I'm sure ratings are down. Giants could be your Huckleberry. Scott Boris on the phone, because you know what Scott Boris likes. He likes desperate front office people. Giants may be a good fit. Well, they have to give up prospects, and I don't know if Farhan wants to do that. <laughs> this that that that's why the manage the the whoever is going to manage Farhan doesn't have more than this year. 
Does it matter if they get Soto? They're going to pull him out in the second inning when a lefty's on the mound anyway. Oh, wow. You're taking shots at our friends across the bay. Hey. Hey, will he hit 30 home runs if he's a giant? If you get to a certain point where and the Giants are behind the Dodgers, behind the Padres, and behind the D-backs in the season, does Farhan make the end of the season? I mean, they fired Capital with three games left. <laughs> I mean, he's got he's to do something. So, you know what? Maybe Juan Soto is a good fit for the Giants. Now, will that change everything? Necessarily hasn't been a – I mean, the only guy that stepped in there and been home run bonanza is the greatest player of all time, Barry Bonds, as a left-handed hitter. That's not really the greatest ballpark for power-hitting left-handers. Or power-hitting guys at all. Well, righties have – you know, left port, left field's not bad hitting it out there. They haven't had a 30 home run hitter since Bonds. Well, he's Barry Bonds. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I heard Farhan say they could. They had three potential thirty home run hitters this year. But who? Out? What? What? Riddle me this, Batman. Since Barry Bonds, who's the legit power hitter that they like? A legit power hitter that they've had. You're gonna say my old guy Aubrey Huff, the Huff Daddy, Brandon Belt, the Huff Daddy, Cody. Brandon Belt, Cody Ross, Crawford, uh, Hunter Pence, Ishikawa. <laughs> I mean, who's Juan that? Uribe? Uh, who's been the legit Longoria Longo all righty <laughs> we'll be back enjoy the playoffs enjoy game two of the NLCS and we'll see everybody at Thursday at one o'clock this is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. You need to redo your wardrobe, especially for summer. They got new colors, new styles. Summer is here. The polos. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Unbelievable, the shorts, you name it, we got our new order. My wife is the happiest one out of all of us because I look better, thanks to Link Soul. And they've got unbelievable deals right now for the summer. So what are you waiting for? Shirts, polos, shorts, you name it. You go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. Hey, it's Eno Saris, your friendly neighborhood baseball scribe. There are two things I love, baseball and beer. When I'm not busy around the ballpark, you'll likely catch me back with a cold one at any of Fieldwork Brewing's eight locations sprinkled across the Bay Area. Fieldwork's got a rotating lineup of over 20 beers on tap that's as diverse as any 26-man roster. They got everything from super juicy, hazy IPAs to crisp pilsners and tropical sours that make your taste buds do the wave. Whether you're all about that draft life or prefer to grab some cans to go, Fieldwork's got your bases covered. Check them out at fieldworkbrewing.com to learn more. That's fieldworkbrewing.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.